Hello everybody and welcome to episode 427 of Conversation Street, the Coronation Street podcast with your hosts Michael and Gemma. Oh, Gemma. Spoiler free. Spoiler free Coronation Street podcast indeed. I'm in a good mood today because it is the end of school time. It's officially the summer holidays. Very, very exciting stuff for me. And it means that we're only two weeks away from our trip to Manchester. So all going, all good. You right, Gemma? Yep. You good? Yep. Gemma finished a book this week, everybody, didn't you? You finished your, your Pat Phoenix autobiography. I finished the first, the first all volume of it. All my burning bridges. So I now you know all about the first bit of Pat Phoenix's life. Yeah, I didn't... Um, Elsie Tanner, that is. Yeah, she played Elsie Tanner. I didn't... Back in the day. God damn it. What? I didn't... Shut up. Sorry. I did not make any more notes about the rest of all my burning bridges because um, that I could just never shut up about it. So, mm. But I decided to be a bit more diligent with this second one. Love, Curiosity, Freckles and Doubt. Which so is this the is second. the sequel. Yeah, and that is... Um, so where does the first one get to? Is it after she leaves Corrie for the first yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this is about her return? Or middle, you know? Yeah. Is it her middle section? She doesn't have an end. <laughs> she didn't write another one. Uh. Um, yeah, so that, that title's by Dorothy Parker. And has Pat Phoenix been getting up to, to lots of... Yes, she gets up to all kinds of stuff. Capers. This was published in 1983, which was um, not long before. She, I think she left Coronation Street. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a bit sad, actually, <laughs> because the end, the, the first book ends with her talking about a kind of idyllic um, country life with her and Alan, Alan Browning. He played Alan Howard in Coronation Street. He was her husband in real life and in the show. Um, and it was sort of sounded wonderful, you know, like the dogs and really good fun. She's, she's such a great writer. She really is fun to read. But um, it, it all seemed very nice. And and uh, they were basically, they both quit Corey to go around the world and perform plays. Yeah, they did a play, didn't they? A really long play. Yeah. Um, and the first chapter starts with her sort of revealing the fact that in the first book, at the end of the at the end of the first book it wasn't all as quite as nice as she painted it to be and he was alan was a, a massive alcoholic and um he used to drink two bottles of gin a day which <laughs> i was i couldn't i kept texting you going that's that's like <laughs> something for me to work towards no i didn't say that <laughs> no you didn't i was going oh that's like 18 bottles of cider or something it's like how can you i don't really have much understanding no, of what counts as a lot of alcohol but I think I would, I would. It's a lot. Believe that two bottles of gin is more than the recommended daily intake. <laughs> I think it's more than the. I think it's more than you used to drink in a month. Is it? According to the government, you're only supposed to have like a tiny, uh. tiny morsel. But it's okay because it averages that out, so you don't have any. So I can have more. Okay. That's how it works, isn't it? It's something like that. Yeah. Um. So chapter two, she talks about when she, she got separated from Alan and how how he was sick. And then it's quite shocking because um, she she goes on holiday to Cornwall with a bunch of her friends. Shocking. Cornwall, what? Are you going to listen? Yes. And she, they, she gets a, somebody comes to the door and says, oh, there's a phone call for you from Granada and apparently Alan's sick. And then she's like, oh, what should I do? And her friends were like, just leave it because he's always, he's always saying he's sick to try and get you to come back to him. 
he'll be fine and then they go off in the car and come back and when they come back to the cottage a load of reporters are outside going can we get your can we get your reaction to the fact that alan browning's died so she finds out like that and she was like quite sad but she was on holiday with various people including ernst walder who played ivan chavesky oh yes he he um he had a thing with uh, Tony Warren at one point, I believe. Naughty. And, um, He's allowed. <laughs> and Peter Dudley. Dating the boss. Who played Bert Tilsley. Now, if you think that it's shocking that Ivan Javesky dated Tony Warren, you'd be even more shocked to find out what Peter Dudley gets. I didn't to. know that Peter Dudley was gay. Um, until you told me last night. Every, I'm acting well, shocked now, but I was actually shocked yesterday when you told me this. Well, this was at a time when it wasn't really a great thing to admit that you were gay. Mm. Um, but everybody on... on the show knew that he was. Yeah. Um, anyway, apparently, you know the scene in Coronation Street when Elsie is reading Alan's letter to her that he wants, she wanted, a, he wanted a divorce. And it's him reading and it it's out. And it's him reading it out. She had not heard the voiceover mm. um, because he had come in to record it when she wasn't there. Yeah. And that was the first time she'd heard his voice for ages. And it was three months before he died or something like that. Mm. And she, she cried in real life as well as as the character of Elsie because she said he sounded really sick. Oh. And she could tell that he was not well. Not long for this world. Yeah. Um, in the third chapter, she starts talking about how she coped with being alone and how she pushed herself into her work and personal appearances. And she has this really interesting story about how she goes to New Year's Eve in Paris at Maxim's and what wonderful time she had. Um, but then she also talks about one time she went to the Golden Garter in Manchester, which was a nightclub. And she saw Freddie Starr mm. and he kind of made a joke about her being in the audience going, oh, it's Elsie. And then she goes and talks to him afterwards, after the show. And they go back to the hotel, his hotel together in the lobby. And they started chatting about everything and um, became good friends. But then two people come over and go, oh, it's Elsie Tanner and start trying to talk to her. Yeah. And did not recognise Freddie Starr at all. Who, If you don't <laughs> know who Freddie Starr is, he's a very, he was a very famous comedian yeah. in the UK. Um, and... They so <laughs> they're like, who's this? And um, Elsie goes, that's my son. And then he started acting like a big child and making weird noises. <laughs> and they kind of get freaked out and, and leave yeah. them alone. Um, and then she talks about why she returned to the street, which she did. When did she come back? She came back it in. It was, it was in nineteen seventy. Yeah, something. Well, she basically says that. She was worried that she was basically the breadwinner of the family. Yeah. And Alan wouldn't be able to work again because he was just an alcoholic and that's all he did. Yeah. Just drink. Um, and she also thought that spending time away from him would be helpful, but obviously that didn't help. And um, she talks about how nice people were to her, the public and everything about when Alan yeah. um I'm going through all this because it's I think it's interesting. Um, now, chapter four is when she talks about her famous friends... And she also makes a reference to Peter Dudley. And this was another tragic bit, because Peter Dudley actually had a very potted uh, history. Um, on the, He got himself in a bit of trouble for exposing himself in a toilet to yes, another man. Yes, he told me this one yesterday. Um, he, they kind of managed to... He, I think he got over that, and then he did it again. And... <laughs> oh, yeah. That's bad. Um, and uh, they, they ha- he had a trial, and then they had a, they had to do a retrial. But at the same time, he got very sick, which I assume was due to the stress. Yeah. And in this book, which was published in 1983, as I said, um, El- uh, she starts off the chapter saying, Peter Dudley's very ill, but I'm sure he'll be fine. It'll, everything's going to be okay. 
and then after the book pub was published, he died. He had two strokes and a heart yeah, attack. Yeah, I remember. I remember hearing about that. Or two heart attacks and a stroke. I can't remember. Um, so that that was sad. But she does talk about how fun he was. Um, they went off to what? I was just going to say that's quite interesting because uh, we've we've seen a little bit of Bert Tilsley so far. On you on would the... not credit it, would you? You wouldn't. Actors, eh? They can pretend to be anybody. Um, so. She talks about the memories of holidays to Cornwall with him and, and other people. And there was a haunted cottage and a quite a funny quote that I put on the um, on our Twitter account, like an excerpt of them talking about one of the hijinks that they had. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and they, he, she also talks about going on a, on tour with a play in Canada with Ernst Walder. He was Ivan Chavesky and she and some other people. And she said she spent the entire time she was there fending off randy Canadian women who kept trying to get with her co-stars really? and uh, trying to say that she was like, oh, she's there with me and stuff like that. Yeah. So I thought it was really funny. Again, wouldn't credit it. Canadian women. Randy. Randy. All of them. Um, she also talks about Peter Adamson and how nice he is. She always has nice things to say about him. Because mm. obviously he also w- went through a stretch of yeah, yeah, alcoholism. Yeah, Interesting story. She talks about Lynn Perry, who played Ivy, mm. and says she was hilarious. And one time when Pat was at a, a flat warming, um, she <laughs> she got really drunk. Who did Lynn Perry or Pat? Pat Phoenix got really drunk and saw a, pe- a port, port, um, landscape on the wall and went, that's rubbish. That's, what a horrible picture. Why'd you have that on the wall? And um, she got really, Lynn Perry got really upset, but then she had to buy her, she bought her a gift as a, like a, a portrait to yeah. her. Apologize, and then everybody kept teasing her and saying, "Oh, Pat, you can insult me anytime you like." So I get a present, and then apparently she's saying about how Lynn Perry is really impulsive, and she said one day she was just in her house, and then Lynn Perry phones her up and says, um, um, "I'm going to come around your house in a minute. I've made you a pizza, a chocolate cake, a fruit cake, and two dozen fairy cakes." Nice. So <laughs> yeah, I I did hear I hear that Lynn Perry is quite a party animal. Yeah. Um, chapter five, she talks about the cast. She goes through again, like she did in the first book, through every single person who's in the cast and talks about how great Name they dropping. were. And oh, she also talks about the crew, which I thought was really nice. And she complains a bit about the press and how the press is mean and talks about what they called idiot fringe mail and what they, she said again, like they used to read it out to each other mm. and stick it on an ace board and make fun of it and stuff. Then, interestingly, she talks about when the Queen came to visit and she... Um, she met everybody in the cast yeah. and she said that um, she told everybody that she and the Queen spoke about their dogs but what they actually talk- talked about was a secret oh, and now if there's only one woman left alive who <gasps> knows she'll take the secret to her grave I think she might do Wow. I don't imagine that if I ever get to meet the Queen number one I'll be able to ask her <laughs> and number two, she'll understand what the question is. What, what are you asking me? What did I talk to Pat Phoenix about in the in the 80s? Four years ago, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was we talked about dogs. Oh, I wonder what it is. Yeah, so that's a mystery. That's a secret. Interesting stuff. So you're enjoying this book when, then, are you? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I think it's really interesting. I don't know if what I just said was interesting. You didn't seem very interested. But do you want to do a quiz? Yes. Yes, please, I, I would love pen, to do a so quiz. I'm just going to say you got them all wrong. I need to redeem myself this week. Sorry, I'm, I might be getting a bit quieter because I'm turning around looking for a pen for Gemma, but I, I have none. Yeah, I've, I've had two like bad weeks on the trot on this quiz, haven't I? So I need to... Um, I hope you've got some easier questions for me. Right, things that happen between Easy the questions or hard questions? and the 17th of July oh. in years ending in a zero and a five. I got this information from coronationstreet.fandom.com and the first question is... 
13th of July 1970, Elsie is struggling with Alan's marriage proposal. She doesn't know what she wants. But how many times did Elsie get married and who to? Right. She got married firstly to... Ah. Oh, was it was Bill Gregory her first husband or was that a later one? I'm going to say she got married to Bill Gregory once, at least. Yeah, that's she got, one. She got married to Alan Howard. Yeah. Uh, she got married to Steve Tanner. Yeah. And, 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 I think there was another one, but I can't remember who it is. Is there another one? Yeah. Um, Just remember, the uh, your dinner's in the oven. It's yeah. going to go funny. I don't remember who the other one is. I've forgotten the name. Um, Give me a clue. So, you, how many times did she get married? Four. Yes, yeah, so you got that right. I can't remember what's the other husband called. What's the what's the name begin with? A. Yeah, I thought it did. <laughs> <laughs> you liar! I don't remember. Go Arnold on. Arnold Tanner. Yeah. Oh, of course it was. Yeah. I think it's really funny that they wanted to preserve Elsie's name as being Tanner, but actually she was a Grimshaw to start with. Mm. Anyway, thirteenth of July, two thousand and five, Andrew. Audenshaw of Green Door Hotels wants to buy something off of Roy that has been in his family for years so he can use it in his hotels. But what is it? Oh, I've got no idea. Um, something trainee. No. Oh. That would have been my guess too. It's a patent. I would have accepted oh, patent. Yeah. But what the patent is for is a dynamo which Roy had connected between the door of the cafe and an automatic cutlery dispensing machine. That Roy. And so Roy. This guy wanted to use it to generate green power from revolving doors. I, I vaguely remember that now. And uh, he did. He he bought the patent mm. off of, and that's why in the UK, uh, interesting fact, we, none no um, revolving doors are connected to the mains electricity. They're all powered by cutlery doors. Thirteenth <laughs> of July, two thousand and fifteen. Which character returns after twelve years away to attend Deirdre Barlow's funeral? Robert Preston. Correct. Yes. Fourteenth of July, nineteen sixty-five. Albert is crushed to discover his prize collection is worthless as it's not in mint condition. Yeah. What is his collection of? Coins, surely. Yes. Yeah. 14th of July, 1975. No, just, sometimes, thank God. Ina brings Ray and Deirdre a present of a jam pot from her and Minnie, but what's the occasion? Who does she give it to? Ray and Deirdre. What was the date? <laughs> 14th of July, 1975. Well, that that sounds like it could be about the time when the couple got married. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to deduct, deduct points if you start saying it in a questioning voice. No, that was definitely a statement. 15th of July, 2005. Sean's plan to flirt with vet Tim White backfires when he uses Betty's cat as an excuse to visit him. What happens and what is the cat's name? The cat's name is Marmaduke. Well done. And I think it dies. Gets put down. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a term of illness. <laughs> just speaking your wine there, Gemma. I'm just having a drink. The listeners are on the edge of the seats waiting for the next question. You're just there, glugging away. Michael, it's the end of term today and that means two things. Number one, you're going to be in my face for the next month and a half. And number two, I get free wine. Yeah, two bottles of wine I managed to bring over Woo! Gemma today. Is this one of them, is it? <laughs> yeah! Um, right, 16th of July, 1980. Hilda tells Eddie she won't consider him as a lodger until he's got a job. Whose house has he just been thrown out of? Um, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember watching and seeing Eddie moving in, but I couldn't remember where he'd, he'd gone to first. Um, who he's got did a he... good name. 
Hmm? He's got a good name, this person. I don't know. I mean, Monkey Gibbons. Oh, oh yeah, Monkey Gibbons. Okay. 16th of July, 2000. Tyrone asks Maria's dad for permission to ask Maria to marry him. Oh, yes. What's her dad's name? Jeffrey. <laughs> uh, Is it Jeffrey? Jeffrey what? Um, Sutherland. No. Oh. Eric Sutherland. Oh, Eric. Mm. The following How episode... Jeffrey? I think that was Maxine's dad. Eric proposes a swap, but what for? A swap? What's he going to swap? He's going to say, you can have Maria, but I want... Something in return. I really don't know. Monica. Oh, and it was a test. Oh, and Tyrone passed it. 17th of July, 2015. Liz confronts her boyfriend, Dan Jones, about a secret that Leanne told her. But what is it? Dan was one of Leanne's ex-clients. And she was a <laughs> lady of the night. Yes. Yes. And we don't mean vampire. No. One, two, three, four, five, six, right. seven, eight, nine... Nine out of 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, okay, fine. Are you ready for your uh, quick fire? Quick fire quiz from the magazine questions, and then we must get we on with ten. Street Talk. No, we've I know got, we've got, got birthdays. birthdays. Just shut up. Right, hang on. Let me find the answers. You're not ready, you're not ready. Shut up, Michael. Right, w- who was Mrs. Terry Goodwin? Terry Goodwin's wife. No, Susie Birchall. What was the name of Len and Ray's third partner? Jerry Booth. Yeah. Which Rovers bar staff member is a champion darts player? Betty. Yeah. I don't even have to look that. What, which musical instrument does Ken play? Cornet. Oh, it says trumpet. Trumpet. Same thing. No, okay. I think it is trumpet. Oh, is it cornet? Oh, I don't know. Give, give me half mark? a point. Give me half a point. Um, which street was Rosie Webster born in? Rosamond Street. That's correct. It's correct. Look, oh, right, yeah, I'm just looking. Which food item does was Ina... Accused of stealing from a supermarket. I don't remember. Ah, uh, no, I. Mm, uh, I remember it vaguely. Ah, oh, tennis fan, wasn't it? Oh, you're so close. What? It was a tennis salmon. Oh. oh, I have to give you another half a mark for that because that's pretty good. Tennis meat product. Right. What did Fred G and Alf Roberts call their greyhound? Um. This wasn't. Um. Is it Lucky Lolita? No, that it was, was another one. Fred's oh, that, Folly. That was, oh, yeah, that was... In which house did Bette live as Mike's housekeeper? Oh, I'm doing really badly at this. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm just laughing at the next question. What was the answer to that question? The question is number five. Mm. Who was molested under the viaduct? Deirdre. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it just makes it sound like it's a body part. Oh, he molested me right under my viaduct. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of Ina Sharple's daughter who died in 1966? Vera Lomax. So you got three wrong. Mm. Wow, you got half marks for two. That's all right, that's all right. Not too bad today. Right, birthdays then, Gemma, we've got coming up this week. Uh, 18th of July, Dickin Ashworth, who played Jeff Horton, and writer Paul, Paul Cornell. 19th of July, Angela Griffin, who played Fiona Middleton. 20th of July, producer and director Richard Doubleday, Patricia Katz, who was Blanche Hunt the first, and Diana Davis, who played Norma Ford. 21st of July, Molly Sugden, who played Nellie Harvey, Chris Bisson, who played Vikram Desai, and Jessica Barden, who was Kaylee Morton. Happy birthday, Happy all those birthdays. people. Right, we're getting ready to do Street Talk. I think it might be another long podcast today because what's our, our bonus section is a good listener questions yes, uh, section, fun. which we recorded yesterday, which is quite fun. We've also got. Um, a couple of cabin extras at the end. Today, yes, we do. We, we have some a big rumor 
and a big confirmed bit of news that came out this morning. So I hope you're all looking forward to that. And as you all know, we're spoiler free. So if you don't want to hear the news, just don't listen to the extras at the end. We stick but it we right do. at the end, right okay, at the end. Bye. Yeah. Right, street talk time. Let's move on. So for this week's Street Talk, we've got seven storylines to cover, starting off with the Yaz fighting story, which is um, it seems to be building up again. Trial coming soon. Jeff manipulating telephonically. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> just, just making sure that I'm you're watching. I'm just thinking about Jack's rap. We get to Jack's rap. Um, Never the twins shall meet. Good one. Is my next storyline title for the Abby story. I was expecting her to actually turn around and see them on Friday, so I was quite surprised when she just bogged off and left I know. them. <laughs> She's like, oh. Harsh, Abby, come on. Um, we had a bit more of the Kelly and the Killer story. We had um, a bit of a bit of the Ollie Wobbles. Better than, uh, just some little mini stories, didn't we? You had the pair by the grace of grace. We had Peter's Scott issues. Johnny's not the only one who's Scott issues anymore. So hopefully that's going to be sorted out soon because I'm rapidly losing interest. And uh, Dan in the dumps. He's cheered up this week. I, methinks he's been... Um, mm, eating steak by his mm, own admission. No, I think he's been with his little friend, Nicky. His mm. lady friend. I do, I think so. Um, so 220 quid a pop. You better be eating steak, is all <laughs> I can say. <laughs> You're eating something. So, what? Monday, Jeff tells Yasmin, because we, we start off with the phone call that we um, had that was the cliffhanger to last Friday's show, and he's like, right, I'm going to drop the charges if you come back to me. I'm not, not going to tell anyone about this I deal. And um, it, it, it's win-win, really, basically, Yas. He also kind of casually accuses her of being the abuser in this relationship. And she's, she does stand strong. For, I, I was quite pleasantly surprised with how this phone call ended. She's like, I didn't abuse you. And he says, well, I've got a scar on my neck that says otherwise. Still love you, though. I want you to <laughs> come home with me. Love you, Yaz. Yeah. Um, and he basically just keeps on making out that she's the abuser. It's not his fault that you felt bullied and terrified in your own home and good on her she gets up the courage to put the phone down on him which was not how I was expecting that phone call to end sadly by the end of the week it seems like he's managed to wheedle his way uh, back into her affections yeah and this was the this was the phone call that he made to her using Alia's phone yes so she... She's, she's meanwhile, realising... No, she phoned Alia's phone, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's yeah. realising that maybe Jeff's the one that's got the phone because she and Ryan were searching for it, weren't they, on Friday? And she oh, starts yeah. off Monday Finally saying, hang on out. a minute, it must be Jeff. And uh, Jeff, when he gets to Sweetdale later, he's got no shame about taking the phone. He's like, yeah, I wanted to speak to my wife. I know, I love that. What I like do the, about it? I like the way he's like, literally, I've got no reason to pretend anymore with you because you're so powerless to stop me from doing what I want. Yeah. I thought that was... Um, pretty interesting mm. yeah and he says look I, I love my wife i'm gonna prove it to you so screw you alia I've, i do i do admit that I, I felt a little bit um more on jeff's side versus alia at some points during this week she was be- she was being a bit annoying especially on wednesday's episode lots of flapping her arms around <laughs> um she was getting very agitated yes <laughs> um so um Sally, meanwhile, is revealing to Tim that she's been asked to be a witness for Imran and she's going to do it. Sadly, we don't really get much further in that one, but well, it's we nice to see that. We also don't find out what she's witnessing either. Well, it's just to do with um, how Yasmin was acting in the Rovers in the hours preceding the, um, the bottling. I don't see how this is going to be helpful. It just helps build case. a picture, doesn't it? She was agitated and then she stabbed somebody. No, no, I mean... She, she. Do you cons- see what I'm saying, though? If you're, if you're the, if you're the person who's trying to prosecute, 
and say that Yasmin did it and somebody went, no, she couldn't have done it because she was upset in the Rovers, you'd go, yeah, and then she stabbed him in the neck. Next, next witness. Mitigating circumstances. That's what I'm saying. I'm still, I understand. I totally understand that now, yeah. But the rest of it, how Sally is a good witness, I (laughs) can't, for for the purposes of the story... Okay. Unless Imran wants to go fishing around in Weatherfield Dump, it's the the closest he's got to having an eyewitness. I'm talking about the camera there. (laughs) Um, Anyway, Yasmin's got a new friend at prison, library friend Lucy. Um, Yeah, and it's spelled L-U-C-I-E. Was it? Yeah. You've you've just been re-watching tonight's episode of The Subsides, haven't you? So I'll trust you on that one. Um, Yeah, Yasmin tells her about Jeff, and and this Lucy sympathises with her, because she's got an ex that she always ends up going back to as well. Um, and Yasmin says, Look, I, I, I do kind of miss Jeff a little bit. There's a little small part of of him that I miss. Or there's something that sounds a bit... What's that? Says she what? says, no, she says, there's a small part of me that misses Jeff. That's right. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Jeff is at the police station with your friend and mine, DS, Bridget Bangs, DS Abney, and says, look, I want to have Yasmin back home with me. And, and Bangs is like, what's going on? You're the victim here. Why on earth do you want her back? She stabbed you in the neck, remember? In any case, it's not up to you to drop the charges. The, the wheels are in motion now, mister. And um, you just got to make sure that when this comes to court, you tell the truth. Yeah, they basically just brush this under the carpet, don't they? Yeah, yeah. But I think she, she gives him the idea trying to that... Push, trying to stop him from doing it. Yeah, yeah. Because Yasmin deserves to be banged up. And if you're not careful... She'll come home to you, which is what you want. Forget what I said, Jack. Damn it. <laughs> um, Imran um, goes to visit Yasmin later, and she's told him about the phone call, but obviously not all the details about it, because she's, she hasn't decided yet whether yeah. she's going to go through with Jeff's little plan. And he says, look, don't let him confuse you. <laughs> Just stick with, what, stick with the story. You're telling the truth. If you, if you, and, and, you know, if the jury believe you, you'll be fine. You'll be free. Don't. Go with what he's through, through what he's saying. To be honest, though, I think that going through with this court case is way riskier for Yasmin. I know. Like, there's, we w- there's a very good chance that if she goes through with it, then she's going to get the book thrown at her and she's going to get locked up for a good while in the slammer. How are they going to convince the jury without really good evidence? Mm. that she was a victim of coercive control because if you want to take somebody to court for for coercive control, you need to have a big body of evidence, mm. which includes taking notes and and things. And she hasn't done any of that. I'm, I'm thinking that the camera evidence... I know that he's thrown away the camera. I, I don't, it feels like it's not going to come well, out the now. Ca- there's the phone evidence as well. There's the phone... I think that's going to... I, I think don't. they're hoping we forgot about that and that's going to be what cinches... I don't, him. I think... I, I do. Well, let, let's get into okay. it in a minute. I, right. I, it seems like this, the whole camera thing is a bit of a red herring, maybe. I don't well, think... we've had those the fact that, that Faye might discover that he has not entered his recycle bin, that, that, I, don't, I don't think that anymore. I think it's, it's too far removed. I, I think that Coronation Street's never heard of Chekhov's gun, and if they did, they would just um, throw, <laughs> it, throw it in the recycling. Um, Wednesday's <laughs> episode. So Imran's with Alia and saying, look, it could be useful for Yasmin if Jeff doesn't testify, because then the trial could get cancelled there's no case no trial she's going to be home free um and and Ali is like well okay and it, I, I can't believe that Yasmin would actually let him worm his way back into Yasmin's life so yeah maybe we 
maybe we could, could go with this. And Alia marches round, this is when she was in her stroppier, she marches <laughs> round number six and says, well, Jeff, um, you're not going to testify, I hear. Um, and Jeff's like, well, yeah, it's because I need to support my wife and she's she's not mentally she's, sound. And she's gone loopy. She, she's basically, she's gone nuts and, and I couldn't possibly stand against her in court. So I'm just being a caring husband. I'm a lovely and, man. And, and I've like, made, curses. I was I've trying put to... pansies in a, in a flower pot. Yes. Um, Tim can't, can't believe that Jeff is considering taking her back. He says, look, this is a massive risk. She could finish you off this ne- next time. And Jeff's like, no, Yasmin, she, she needs to be back home where she belongs. And Tim's like, I just can't believe that. This is where it all gets a bit stressful. What? One of the, I was, that reminds me, one of, the, one of my colleagues at work who I was talking to about this today said at the end of that scene, Tim gave a little bit of a look when, Jazz, when Jeff said she belongs here, almost as if Tim was noticing that he was saying she belongs, you know, under my thumb. She, this is her her place to be but I, I don't know I, I didn't rewatch it to see oh, I don't I don't think I that I don't that. I don't think that Tim's particularly being suspicious well maybe Jeff, maybe he remembers his dad saying that about his mum possibly possibly Could because be that, that, that issue is still being race. brought up isn't it Jeff, she belongs with me Jeff brings her, her up again today anyway there's another phone call between Alia and Yasmin at the end of the episode then and Yasmin lies that Jeff didn't mention these plans when they spoke. Right. Alia says, did, did Jeff tell you that, you know, he's, he's maybe... And she's like, no, no, she didn't say, he didn't Should say it? that at all. No. Um, and Why? she also says, look, look, maybe this is all just proving that Jeff has changed and she wants me back. Who Alia, says that? Yeah, Yasmin. Yasmin says Sorry. it, saying this. And Alia says, look, no. no. you nutty. She, you he are just, nutty. He just can't stand the fact that you're trapped in prison here and he can't control you. Mm-hmm. The only thing he's got to control at the moment is the TV. He needs a hobby. Yeah. Um, and she says, look, just don't take him back, okay, Gran? And Yasmin's <laughs> like, maybe. This, <laughs> she, won't, she doesn't say okay, does she? I was going to say. Falling for it again. This is so frustrating for Tim and Alia because you would think that once you get to a certain age in life, relationship drama becomes fewer and far between. Not right? on Corey. But you certainly wouldn't expect to have to be counselling your grandma and your dad about really bad relationships and how to stay away from each other. I know, I know. It's like something you'd say to a teenager. <laughs> like, you know he's bad for you because he comes and he drives a motorbike and he smokes. Well, Yasmin... And wears a leather jacket. Yasmin does not have very much experience in the world of relationships, does she? No. Jeff is only her second... Second boyfriend, even. Second conquest, indeed. So, I wouldn't call it a conquest. <laughs> um, I'd call it a second mistake. Yeah. Um, so Yasmin um, is speaking with Lucy again, this this present friend on Friday, and says, look, Jeff's trying to wheedle his way back into, into my affections. But I'm not going to let him, honestly. But she really does not sound convinced by this. Lucy's saying, don't. He's just trying to, he's trying to have you. He's trying to control you still. But Yasmin's like, oh, maybe. So Lucy well, says... No, she's only- like, I'm just really confused. I don't know. And Lucy says, well... How about if there was a way? Yeah, so she brings her a phone, prison yeah. phone, bum phone, so um, yeah, that then Yasmin can phone Jeff up yes, and find out Yasmin more about what he's up to. Phones Jeff up, she's like, Hi, hi Jeff, it's, it's me, Yasmin. I'm, I'm on a bum, bum phone, so I'm just holding my nose. <laughs> I'm holding it a bit close to my face. Bit smelly. <laughs> she phones Jeff and she's she starts off acting quite hard and she's like, yeah. I can't remember what she That's says. That's because Lucy's but, the other side of the door and she's like, Yeah, don't give on, him an inch. Go on. Yeah, and but before long though, I mean, it, Jeff's manipulating her all over again and saying, "Oh, it wasn't you that stabbed me. It was it was someone who I sadly helped create." 
He's like, yeah, he's like, oh, it's, yeah, I, I made oh, you the way fault. you are. Please forgive me. And look, just go through with my plans and then you'll be found not guilty and things will be so much different when you get back home. We'll even get cancelling. I'll get support. And Toya's ears are going, yes, please. What, what, what? Um, <laughs> and then he, he says, he, this is when he says, look, I've, I've realised that everything you suffered, I, I suffered with Tessa. Yes. When, when she was manipulating me, Tim's mum, you know. And um, she, en- <laughs> she ends up um, not being able to put the phone downhill on the him, although it didn't look like she was going to. Well, she, she has to. Oh, she's really kind of panicking because the screws Lucy's are coming there at the going, end. Quick, quick, they're coming. And she's like, oh, Jeff, I've got, yes. Okay, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. No, you yes. hung up. Yes. No, you. Oh, oh I can't say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's where we're That was we're a left. meerkat impression, That everybody. was a meerkat impression. And now they know. Oh, yes, they showed the meerkats. Is it in Canada or is it in the US? I, I can't, can't remember. remember. Somebody on a Facebook group said They accidentally they? uploaded, I assume, I assume by accident, the meerkat bumpers for yeah. an episode of Coronation so Street. Now and now they know. know what we're talking about. And, and Shannon on our Facebook group was going, I just still don't understand what's going on. So I had, I had to go on Wikipedia and I wrote down you this made massive, a very lengthy post about the post, history of compared market. The history market. Of, of why why Alexander and the meerkats are all Russian. <laughs> <laughs> also, I didn't know that Sergei and Alexander were gay. Well, this is what you said Wikipedia, Wikipedia says, and I don't believe gay. Sergey and Alexander are and gay. I thought adopted. they had a bit of a Bert and Ernie situation here. I and think they Bert just and Ernie were gay as well. Same bedroom, maybe. They adopted Oleg together. I've seen I've seen Alexander and Sergey going out with the one female meerkat on yeah, the street. Yeah, but was that on the bumpers? Because I think in yeah. the bumpers they're playing actors. I in don't co- know. That's my idea. It's like that. It's a meta. Well, they're the actors, like like Muppets. Is this a commentary on... How the on... Muppets are actors who play characters. Is the fact that we're being deflected by meerkat canon, is that saying what we really think about this week's Coronation Street? I'm finding it harder to find talking points about this. Although, I mean, it, uh, it feels like... I'm I'm not loving, loving, loving this story at the moment, only because it feels like it's going round and round in circles a little bit. I'm, I, I want to be invested in it more... And as, as, a, as a story, For a story as a whole, that you say is one of your favourite stories, every it, week oh, I, my... I, I, I'm getting sick and tired of you saying every time, oh, nothing really happened, I don't feel like it progressed enough. It always progresses. I know, I, I can't it blame it. It has progressed. Yasmin is now breaking rules to speak to Jeff, and I think that's a pretty significant... Um, point. I just wish that she wouldn't, wouldn't go back to him all these times, because yes. she, she always starts off... With the best intentions, She's and I'm not going to let him. What she wants to hear. He's saying, it's my fault. It's my fault you stabbed me. I know what I did wrong. I want counselling. Let's get back together. He knows exactly what buttons to press to make her you know, come over to his side, doesn't he? Yep. So, do, I mean, what do you think that she should do then? Do you think that she <laughs> should go through it? Because I'm kind of wondering and, and really, really hoping deep down, I don't know whether this is true or not, she's going to go along with his plan just to get out. And when she's free, she's going to be like, screw you, Jeff. I would love it if she did. It doesn't That's feel... what Lucy's uh, advice to her was. Why don't you just go along with it? And mm. I really don't see how it, she could um, fall a cropper from, from that plan. No. It, but it doesn't... The way that she was speaking to him on the phone, it really did feel like she was... She was being manipulated for him. But she, she's also loyal she, to a fault, isn't she? And she... She's married this man, and I'm sure that she, her vows she takes very seriously. And if there's any redeeming of him, and if she feels yeah. in any way that she's to blame even slightly, 
she might still hold and, on and she to does. that. She's got bucket loads of blame, doesn't so, she? She she feels guilt. Yeah. She, yeah. she I can certainly see her going. This really isn't a all win situation here. I get out of prison. Mm. I get my husband back. We get our relationship back because she. I mean. At the beginning, there was nothing really wrong with their relationship. He was just an annoying man that nobody mm. really liked. Yeah. And the plenty of people who are annoying get married and have happy long marriages. <laughs> Ten years this year, darling. <laughs> um, yeah, but what I'm kind of hoping is even though she's, she's coming more around to his way of thinking again, not only is she easily manipulated by him, she's in such a amenable state at the moment that Alia and, and Lucy and, and the others and Sally are also pretty good at, I'm not going to say manipulating her, but convincing her to come over to her side because often it's it's just taken a quick phone call with yeah. with her family and friends for her to start to come out of her shell a little bit. She's been going back and forth, back and forth, basically depending on who she's talking to. And I'm, I'm yeah. hoping that if she does get out, and I, I do think it's going to most likely play out this way, that she's that Jeff's going to, you know, keep dumb, she's going to be freed, and yeah, uh, and then he's going to say, well, come back to live with me. I'm, I'm just hoping that there's going to be a phone, uh, a conversation with Alia or someone where she says, where she makes the, the final decision and takes that big step and and says, no, I'm not, not coming back to you, get out of my life. That would feel like a, I think that would feel like a satisfying conclusion to me, because I still, I still don't want to see Jeff dead at the end of this. I just want to see him shamed and embarrassed in front of everybody because that's his his worst fear. We've seen it with the whole Jiggle at Jeff thing. Yeah. Public shaming is is what would ultimately be his Achilles heel. Yeah. And, and and Yasmin can bring that about. She just needs a little bit of a push from from all of the, the many, many people around her that are seeing Jeff for what he really is. I still don't think that I think that the viewers want blood. I know. And it's difficult to deny them. It, it, you shouldn't always have to have a, a <laughs> villain killed off. And it, it happens so, so much that these big no, Corrie villains get killed off. Yeah, Tony big, Gordon, big Frank villains. Foster, yeah, Frank, I know, but Pat, you, Pat Phelan. I, I, know that, I know that Jeff is a horrible person, but I don't think that you can say he's on the same level as a murderer. And I don't know if that's controversial or not. But you're saying, oh, you can't, you can't kill him off because... It's a cliche to kill off these big supervillains, but Jeff, I don't know. He's a new breed of villain, isn't he? He's a psychological villain, and we had that with Charlie Stubbs, and he died. Yeah, he was murdered. On the whole, though, on Coronation Street, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And Jeff hasn't lived by the sword yet. He's lived by the brain, yeah. and that's <laughs> <laughs> and he needs to he needs to die by the brain. He needs I say, he I understand needs to what be. You're I understand. But but then he'll live again. He'll live to uh, manipulate again, won't he? He'll move That's on to true. another woman. That's true. He's going to have there, another victim. There wouldn't be closure if all we that's saw I mean. was him hanging no his head and then. walking into the sunset. But that's like what we've got with, say, Jade at the moment. That, that's left dangling. Mm. And it feels... It feels like she could come back, but equally she could easily be forgotten. And yeah. I think maybe if Jeff, Jeff is sent away with a tail between his legs, maybe for a while we'd think, oh, but what if he comes back? Or, or what if he manipulates somebody else? And then we'll be like, oh, well, then I care. The next person he manipulates yeah. isn't the Coronation Street character. I don't so. care if, they, if they're not on Bill's yeah, Moved past. on to the next. Yeah, so no, that, that's what I want to happen. But at the same time, I, I do feel that this is going to keep on going until December now. I just, I when I picture Jeff's downfall, 
I imagine him being being killed in some way that's an accident that's brought on by his own rage um and i think there's a, there's a famous saying that uh women are f- afraid of women will laugh at them and women are afraid that men will kill them mm. and it is true that men really don't like to be laughed at and so i can imagine him getting really murderously angry if he is unmasked and people laugh at him or and yeah. then and then sort of falling off something <laughs> i just imagine i just imagine her like yasmin there with a with a phone you know playing the video or even alia or whoever i don't care who it is showing him humiliating yasmin and unmasking himself and then him going no and then sort of just He's on a cliff for some reason and he falls off. Or maybe he's doing some kind of weird escapology trick or something for the, you know, the Great Magnifico. And he drowns. Yeah, you know, remember at the end of, um, yeah, like at the end of Series 4 of American Horror Story where... Spoilers. Yeah, it's it's old now. Where, was it Dan... No. Was it Dante or was it... No, it was the other guy that gets um, put in the tank of water or that's all filling up and he gets drowned in front of... Anyway. Anyway... No, I, I, I don't want that. On this, I, I think I, I would be most I satisfied. I, have you turned? Want... You've gone on to that now because I remember you used to say you didn't want him to die. Did I? Yeah. Sound like me? Yeah. <laughs> you can't believe. I, you I can't do listen not listen to anything I say. I change my mind from one not. minute to the next. Mm. I, I, I think, I think maybe the reason I said I didn't want him to die to start with was because I thought he was going to be killed by Yasmin, and I thought that this is a very unhelpful um, way to to take the story. Because it's not a realistic solution for women. Because Coronation Street has yeah, now can't. now it has a responsibility because because Coronation Street has said this is an issues based storyline. We've done our research. We're working with charities, so now they have a basic responsibility to tell a story that gives hope and solutions to people, I guess. And they have to do that within a narrative framework that makes sense and is interesting to watch. Real-life coercive control but victims can't, can't bank on a poetic justice just soap opera-style death. Stab everybody in the neck with a bottle and then... Hope to get away with it. Yeah. That's why I didn't want him to die then. But if they were to do everything right to unmask him and try to get him to realise that what he's done is wrong, etc., but then he dies because of his own mistakes or his own actions. That to me is poetic justice. I think and if satisfying. I think if he died from some kind of heart problem, that would be poetic justice for him, considering that that's what he's always been saying. I've got heart issues. So I'll get, you know, and, and yeah, but when he said he has heart issues, he meant he doesn't have one because no, he's evil. I mean. So if if he actually does have a heart attack, maybe that. Well, I might accept that, but no, I'd that would be ironic, wouldn't it? Maybe he gets shamed into having a heart attack, and then we've all been then we, there. Then it's win-win. Um, can we talk about that split screen on yeah. Monday in today's episode? <laughs> Fail Coronation Street. I wasn't keen at all. I'm sure our listeners know exactly what we were thinking when that was on. Some people said Just they don't... didn't even notice and thought it was good, or or they liked it. I I thought it was really clumsily done. Coronation Street like, doesn't need to do that. It's and, like social and I, distance split screen. <laughs> yeah, they don't need to do that. Um, yeah, it just... 
I, I get it that if you're showing both sides of the conversation, you get to see the reactions from both characters. Totally, totally get that. But it's just one of these things where Coronation Street's never had to do it in the past. So as soon no, as they do, they you immediately notice it. Yeah. When when other dramas or films or whatever do it, you don't you don't notice it because it's like oh this this is what you do. Yeah. But it it's part when of the it when it feels new, it's it was majorly Sorry. distracting. It also it didn't feel to me that. It, it, it could have been it. directed better. I'm just saying, sorry to whoever directed this one. But if you're going to have a split screen, then there needs to be some kind of symmetry. Maybe, I'm talking out my ass well, a little bit. But there was like maybe a close-up of one and a far away of another. And We praised split screen before on Coronation Street when it was done with part of the set made a visual border between the two screens, which was good and interesting. And it didn't look cheesy. But this was just like a blurred fade between the two. And the cameras weren't locked off either, which I thought yeah. was weird. No, that's what I'm saying. And I don't know like whether that. they filmed it meaning that it was going to end up split screen or not. But I will say what would have been better or more intriguing to me um, would have been if we had only seen Yasmin's face and we hear Jeff and he's going, Yasmin, I'm sorry, I helped create you. I... Because all the way through, we're watching Jeff's face and we can see him. Like, he's like a, he's like a fisherman. He's like, have I got her on the hook? Can I start to reel it in? He's, he's questioning and he's, he's listening really intently to what her reaction is. He's not speaking from the heart and telling her what he really thinks. Damn the consequences. He's like, if I say this, what's she going to do now? And you can see it in his face. But say, how about... If we only saw Yasmin's face and we can hear Jeff going, oh, Yasmin, I'm sorry, I, blah, blah, blah. We know, we, obviously, we know that this is all an act. But he's so convincing. His voice he sounds sounds sincere for once. And then we cut to Jeff and he's just gro- he's just smiling. It could have been done the other way as well, couldn't it? Only have Jeff and then have hear Yasmin seeming to go over to his side and believe him and go along with him. And then at the end of the scene you realise, oh no, she's just having him on. Yeah, I kind do you of think wanted... That's that what he, she was doing? Because I don't. No, I, I don't think it was. Well, I it would have added something different to the scene, then, yeah, whereas the, what I said... I would have quite liked... Uh, we were talking about it as we were watching the scene, there to have been a final you know, soap look after they put the phone down at the end of the episode today. Just a bit of a moustache twirl. I know, it, I know it's very panto, but... It was a hasty ending that had no resolution, really, did, did it? This, yeah. Um, I, I was really expecting one of, one of the two of them to, to give me a, a little bit of a this is what I'm really thinking look because obviously, although I think I'm so sophisticated, <laughs> I really need it. Cause Sometimes I was thinking, we need talent. I think that, yeah, Jeff, hmm, wait, hmm, Yasmin, you're not believing this, are you? Are you love? What? Uh, you better not be. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, just to be sure you are having a run, aren't you? Just check in. You're you, still evil, aren't you? Do you like the fact that Yasmin's got a little prison friend? I don't know what to think of this woman. She seems a little bit cookie-cutter, you know, hard prison woman, doesn't no, she? she doesn't. What are you talking about? Every single other woman who's ever gone into prison on Coronation Street has been beaten up, harassed, attacked, intimidated, put into her place. 
Yasmin walks in. It's like bloody Disney prison. Hey, would you like to work in the library? My name's Lucy. I look hard, but I can make a lovely cup of tea. That's exactly what happened to Belle, actually, isn't it? And as soon as the beast trapped what, her in the castle. No, she went to prison? No. She, well, she was. She was in prison by the beast, oh, but yeah. shown the library. Oh, right. So Lucy's like Mrs. Potts. Yeah. I'll make you a lovely <laughs> cup of tea. No, I'm just saying that I don't, I'm not saying, I don't think that Lucy's a particularly deep character at the moment. Maybe she doesn't need the to be. The impression I get. She just seems like a hard woman that's on Yasmin's no. side. She just. No. She doesn't, she's not as great as, she's no Jackie Dobbs yet, that's all I'm saying. The impression I get from from the way that Lucy was talking about Yasmin's predicament and her relationship issues, is like, oh, there's never been a woman in prison who hasn't been here because of a man and how manipulative and horrible they are. They always tell you what they want you to hear and then you come out and they beat you up. I know what it's like, love. One sugar or two. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't it? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm glad that I she's got somebody what, to talk to. It's her. all thanks to Mayor Metcalf's prison reform that she did and those <laughs> yoga lessons that she it made. Actually, isn't it? Everyone's yeah, so she's reaping out. the benefits of those now, it was isn't like, she? Oh, welcome, Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> it's Weatherfield Prison. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised they haven't got a shrine to Sally in the corner. <laughs> we now think of how wonderful Mayor Metcalf is. Ding. Brilliant. Um, I think, well, uh, I've seen people online saying that Jeff is playing a very risky game here because um, these prison phone calls are recorded. I don't know whether they are. It seems to me to make sense to record all phone calls that are are, are done by the prison. I I assume it's not infringing on their rights because I don't know how how much rights they have when they're banged up there. I think the only right you have as a prisoner is to um, speak to your, your brief without being overheard and that's it Mm. but the thing is i can imagine the law is you get everything is listened into and recorded and the reality is oh yeah we're supposed to oh where's that tape oh we're recorded Mm. unsolved mysteries on it sorry we've all i've seen these people online saying that and i'm not i'm not really sure because we thought that the, rec- the video gonna, recording yeah. was going to catch him, that's and now we're saying, and I don't think it is now. And we're saying the, the telephone recording is going to catch him. I don't, I don't think what, it is now as well. But the thing well. is, though, what has he said? What has he said? What, what, what? Well, he's saying, I've got a plan. I'm gonna... Yeah, my plan is I'm not going to. N- nothing they're doing is a secret. Everyone can see exactly what the plan is. Nothing that Jeff's saying relies on utter secrecy to to be able to move forward. Yasmin's told everybody anyway. Yeah, I guess Literally, I'd have to re-listen to the conversation and see whether we've dropped anything in. People listen into the conversation, and it and again, Jeff is the master of laying little seeds where he can come back and say, "Oh no, no, no!" Well, I just said what she wanted to hear. That's how we got away with all the escort stuff. Well, you know, mm. there's always plausible deniability with Jeff, and he's really good at lying and getting out of things. I don't think that that's going to come into it. And now she's got her bum phone. There's no need to worry about recordings because everything they say to each other is completely private. Yeah, I I wonder whether could Jasmine get an attack of the conscience and hand her phone in. It's not her phone though. I think Lucy's just lent it to her for a pit stick and two bags of crisps or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I'm wondering as well whether DS Abney's going to start to get a bit suspicious of Jeff because he's literally told her what he wants. Can I please stop? Pressing charges. But she's saying, why do you want that? So she's going to maybe start to wonder whether what Yasmin is saying could be true and he could be trying to get himself out of a lot of grief, potentially. 
I just don't, I do, honestly, I just don't think that Jeff needs to worry. In in real life, I don't think that Jeff would worry at all about anything he's done. I don't think he's, I don't think he thinks he's done anything wrong. And also, I don't think that anybody with what they have could really press charges and get anywhere with a conviction unless the the amount of evidence you need to convict somebody for coercive control is a lower bar than a normal crime because she's got no evidence she hasn't got anything tangible she never kept a diary she hasn't done anything that you're supposed to do if you believe it's all circumstantial and i'm not saying that obviously I, i i would hope that it would be easy if you were coercively controlled to be able to bring somebody to court but equally i'm going to say we don't really want to be in a situation where a, a woman can go to court and go oh he was mean to me for five years and the police go okay well, that sounds really horrible shall we put him in prison mm. you know you can't have that you you have to have some kind of evidence mm. some kind of body of a collection of of some something you can't just have she said he said that's not how it works because we've seen that you know yeah. It can be abused by people, and they're the ones that are, you know, are, are ruining it. The for real villains. Else. What? What can? What else can I say? I just think that men can be victims, and so can women yeah. of things like this. And we can't have crimes where the burden of evidence is is doesn't exist. Mm, mm. And I know that if you are being coercively controlled that you can collect evidence and they give you advice about how to do that. And it is important that if you are in that situation, that you educate yourself on how to get out of it. You can't just go to court and say that somebody was me, you know, somebody was controlling you. You have to be able to prove it. So what my point is, is that Jeff doesn't, isn't going to be hiding any of this. Mm. We'll see, won't we? We will see. I, think, I just don't I think, think right. no, no. I don't think he even knows that coercive control is a thing and that it's a crime. I just think that he likes controlling Yasmin and he probably thinks that's her job as a wife is to do what he tells her. Well, if he's been used to doing this before with his uh, with his ex as well, it just comes naturally to him. Well, I hope that people listening understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. You don't seem like you understand. I don't, what I'm I don't understand. I totally understand. Um, Gemma, let's do the next story. Abby's story, never the twins shall meet. And I was quite surprised when they didn't turn up on Friday's episode. But what's been going on with Abby? I'll tell you, the trouble week? is that they are very expensive, those actors. Mm. Very expensive. They could only afford them for one scene. <laughs> um, Feel bad for the guy who plays Charlie, or the kid who plays Charlie. He was literally in the back of the scene for half a second in the car last week. I also really love the way that this story turned into a musical on Friday. Oh, bloody hell, we'll Jack. We'll get to that. Um, on Monday, Abby... I've got so, Hamilton on Disney Plus now. I don't need any other rapping, thank you. <laughs> uh, Abby is asking after the twins. Because yeah, this is when Kevin's Kevin has come, has come back. back from w- attending to the broken down car, the, the adoptive father saying, we're off to Australia, so I hope you can fix my clutch. And um, Kevin... Abby's talking about them, and then Kevin says, listen, Abby, I've got something else to tell you they're going to move to Australia. And she is initially quite shocked, but then she kind of talks herself around to being happy for them, which I thought was sweet and probably very hard for her. Mm. Um, because she's really, in denial about her She's in denial, but also kids. equally to her, I guess she hasn't seen them in England, she won't see them in Australia. What's the difference? 
You've got to be practical. You're not going to be eaten by a giant spider if you stay in England. Well, I don't know. Have you seen Harry Potter? Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's, she says, I don't really know if I want to see them before they go. I didn't think she was allowed to. But um, on Wednesday, Abby says, right, I've decided, Kevin, I'm not going to say goodbye to the twins. And then Seb comes over and he's like, oh, I want to talk to you. And she's like, uh, I've got other things to do. So Seb comes back later and he's like, why are you avoiding me? And she, sa- she says to him, I'm going to have to tell you, sadly, the twins are going to Australia, the prison island. And he's, <laughs> he says, we've got to stop them. And she says, look, we can't do anything because it's up to their parents. And he's like, well, I'm going to call social services. <sighs> Seb, I thought we had, were over this with Seb and Abby. I was so happy. I under, totally understood how mad he was. It got a bit tedious after a while because we love Abby. I'm not really too fond of Seb. So although Seb was totally justified, him continuously moaning at Abby about how terrible of a mum she was after a while just got very irritating and then he got over it and they slowly regrew their bond and now it's yeah, back f- to square one again it is and i just i'm fed and up with him he's gritting instantly. his teeth and going terrible mum so seb sees abby later and says the social worker said that they can go to visit the twins to say goodbye and abby is thinking about how that when they were adopted and she admits that she thinks about them every day but she has to put them at the back of her mind and Seb's like what the hell are you talking about what do you think they're gonna think if you don't even bother to say goodbye to them honestly I don't know whether they're expecting a massive gesture from mummy Abby no we don't know a whole lot about what the what do they think the twins of her? Think I would of really, her. I would actually really be interested to know what there the do- a, parents tell tell her. There was a very sweet scene when she had to say the last goodbye to them, so they've obviously got some kind of affection for her. Also, how old are they? I don't know. I can't remember. Do they? I don't know. Six, seven, eight. I but Ten? it, it feels like that after a year with their new rich foster parents. Adoptive parents. I, uh, yeah, well, yeah. I think that they might... I don't think they'll forget their mum. Uh, no, but, but... I can also I, imagine I'm sure they're quite happy with their life. ...conflicted feelings as well, because a lot of the time, their memories of her are not going to be very great, are they? No, her passed out, you know, on smack on the living yeah. room floor. I mean, she was very sweet for that brief sober period when she said goodbye to them. Yeah. But previous to that... She, she was a bad mum. She was a terrible mother. Um... She should have had her kids taken away. <laughs> I can understand Seb wanting to see them, and I can understand why he wants his mum to see them as well. But I still think he just does not get what's really happened here. Mm. And I don't, you know, I think mentally he has to protect himself from really thinking about it too much. So Abby tells Kevin about this meeting, and she's really ashamed of herself for how terrible <laughs> mum she was. And she says maybe uh, that this meeting will bring me some closure or bring us I think it would be a good thing yeah but, so they go off Seb and Abby go together to say goodbye and Abby starts to panic and she says I don't, I don't think I can do this and then on Friday she literally legs it she's like sorry Seb see you later I don't know but I assume that Seb went and saw them without yeah her. I'm not sure I find we this later a bit see him on the street don't we I find this a bit odd too because I am expecting at the end of the story her to say a wavy wavy cry cry bye bye at the airport to the the twins and they go mummy we forgive you and then they fly away and she waves 
But I don't know if that's where it's going now, because I think if I was a social worker and I said, yes, although you're not actually allowed to see them ever again, you can say goodbye. And then she turns up and goes, I'm not doing it. And then she says, actually, I've changed my mind again. I think I'd say, no, you in the interest of your children and their mental well-being, because we told them that you were going to... Exactly. They would have, Seb's right. As, as annoying as he can be, yeah. I think that when he came on, and had a go at Abby on the street layer and said, what the hell are you doing? They were looking forward to seeing you yeah, and you dashed their hopes. Again, you've let them down again. He was and absolutely you're supposed right. To be, you're supposed to be rehabilitated. You're supposed to be a good person now. And yeah. you still can't put yourself... Your emotions, you can't put them to one side for a minute for your own children and it's weird because we're seeing this juxtaposition of how badly she treats her own children with how much she's being a good mum to yeah, Jack yeah they are laying that on a bit thick aren't but they I don't understand she's not a good mum at all then is she like she's superficially a nice person when it suits her but actually if she's not going to put her emotions to one side for the, her own child I, if I was Kevin, I don't think I'd really trust her not to break Jack's heart at some point. Well, no, exactly. Right? And, and Kevin's been there saying, oh, don't worry, you, you did what you needed to I for know. you. <laughs> is it just like You're saying, well, this is important. great, Jack's got a new mum now. Yeah, as long as you're cooking beans on toast. It, yeah, it's in Kevin's interest that she didn't go you know, yeah, harking on about her actual idea. children. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I love Abby. Yeah, me but too. I, I think that she made a bit of a... Boo-boo. Uh, yeah, she did. She's made yeah. a massive mistake today. And, and the, the episode ended... With us seeming to be... With, okay with it. Uh, uh, yeah. I know. It's really confusing. Anyway, well, she so... She likes yeah. Jack's rap, so, so she must Seb be great. Seb has a go at her, and everybody hates Seb, even though he's in the right. Um, and then back at home, we get... Well, there's this whole thing about Abby helping Seb... Not Seb. She hates Seb. She never helped him with anything. Helping Jack with his awful, awful homework to make a rap about... The, the dangers of palm oil and child exploitation. Not, it's, it's not harm oil. <laughs> what did it, what, I didn't did it get go? the rhyme. It was a really badly constructed rap because at one point he says, child, um, orangutans will become homeless and child workers become ho- hopeless. But surely the child workers want a job. So you should be... So if you're worried about child workers, you should keep them in employment. Look, raps are hard to do. As a teacher of people who are supposedly the same age as Jack, yes, that's right, he's only nine, rhyming poetry can be very hard for children to do. it lacked internal logic. He is the world's tallest (laughs) nine-year-old. It's because he's got one fake leg. (laughs) (laughs) He can just jack himself up. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe we are. I liked also, he did the, he performed this rap, and then Kevin goes, Wow, that was great. I didn't know I liked rap. And I was like, Kevin, that wasn't rap. <laughs> you don't, you still don't like rap. <laughs> and, um, and, Ke- and, and Jack was like, Oh, it wasn't me. It was Abby. She did more, all the work. And Abby's like, No, don't tell anyone that was not, <laughs> that was my idea. I know, it's hilarious. But at the end of it, it did seem to me that Jack was trying to promote palm oil. Because he said palm oil doesn't have to be harm oil, <laughs> right? So that makes me think that there is a way of producing it ethically. And I'm wondering if we could employ the orangutans to do it. Yeah. Make them a penthouse or something. If they're, ho- if they're homeless now, they'd love to live in an apartment, wouldn't they? All the bananas I could ever want. They must love it. <laughs> I, say we get, I say we send Jack over there. He's obviously got some really good ideas <laughs> for sorting out the palm oil issue. I also, I wrote my own palm oil wrap. Did you? I wondered what you were doing, scribbling on that bit of paper. 
Um, I've literally done this whilst we've been recording, while I was <laughs> yakking on about something earlier. Um, yeah, because I wanted to... Um, I, I thought that we needed to distill down Jack's ideas a bit better. Go on then, Gemma. Let's hear your palm oil rap. Just say no to palm oil or the rainforest. You will spoil. Keep child workers in employment. Orangutans need trees for enjoyment. That's good, I like that. Get the children down the mill. I think that would be quite brill. <laughs> Orangutans will be quite chuffed. And I think that's quite enough. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I didn't do it with the spirit that Jack did it. He's a better rapper than I am. I will just, say that. Yeah, but you just came up with that, didn't you? Whilst recording a podcast. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I am pretty good at rhyming. Tell <laughs> <laughs> you Brian Packham, you've been giving that an A grade. <laughs> Me, Brian and Jack back. Um, rap battle. You could be Jack's writer because I think Jack gave at the edge when it came to performance there. Yeah, I'm no Eminem. Have <laughs> <laughs> um, we lost track of what was going on in this story? I don't think it was about palm oil or rapping. Oh, uh, Abby's going to move into number thirteen. Oh, yeah, that was the main. That was the main thrust of it. Oh, and also, Jack. Not only is Jack a very um, highly skilled rapper and also very high, he's also a very um, sage, wise man because he gave Abby some um, words of wisdom about. Don't worry, I never knew my mum. I can't remember what he said now. I really didn't Don't get worry it. if the twins don't know. Though I didn't know my mum. He turned into some kind of, like, counsellor slash matchmaker. Because he was he like... Was, wasn't he? I can't believe it's taken you He was like that Will so Smith long. film, Hitch. Yeah. Um, I, didn't, I didn't go much on Jack today. I did also not go very much on Jack. He was really... Um, he, was, he was a kind of, like... A Disney character from a sequel of a Disney movie. No, a sequel of a sequel of a Disney movie. Don't you know what I mean? Disney movie sequels. I hear that The Lion King 2 is excellent. I've heard that as well. <laughs> I, um, I was wondering, when Jack was talking about his mum, whether he ever like, gets freaked out by the fact that she literally died next right. door. Um, I... She got splattered by a tram probably within... You know, 10 metres of his bed. So it was Molly, right? Molly is his mum. Jack, yeah. Yeah. She she died next door in the shop. And, yeah, I know. So so Kevin and Molly were having an affair when Kevin was married to Sally and... Tyrone was Tyrone married to was, Molly. Yeah, to Molly. And so Molly was Jack's mum, but she was a cheating hoe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just imagine Jack going don't worry Abby better a druggie than a slag <laughs> <laughs> I turned out alright um, yeah he, he seemed quite cheerful about the fact that his mum got splattered to death yeah it's fine yeah um, anyway do, do, are, you, are you still expect uh, are we, did it feel like there is some kind of closure to this now or is there still more to come? I didn't come? get it. It really didn't feel like a happy ending. It's like, woman woman becomes a drug addict, loses children, they move to Australia, woman shrugs and moves in with another family. Yeah. Was the whole of this story, and I know it didn't last very long, it was, I mean, a week in how it was written terms, was it just as a some way to facilitate Abby moving in with it Kevin? Because be the they end. could have just said if if we'd have been told at the beginning of last week Abby's moved uh, is already living with Kevin I'd be like oh yeah fine Toya and Imran have, have got their fostering plans all together off screen I don't need to be shown how how those two yeah. are moving in together I would like to see a little bit of guilt from Abby 
Not that she's already shown guilt about the fact that she's a bad mum, but I would really like her to sort of stop and say to herself, I feel bad about the fact that I'm really good with Jack, but I was never good with my twins. Mm. Or some acknowledgement of the fact that they have got the short straw here. And although it's really nice that she's lovely to Jack and there's no reason that she shouldn't be, she really owes a bigger loyalty than to her children than she has shown. Mm. And the main thing she seems to be mad about at the moment or upset about is that Seb's mad at her again. Because that was what she was saying to Kevin. Oh, we're back to square one again. And this time it feels different. Because feels, I'm supposed to be... It's exactly the same to me. Well, I get what she was saying. Because she was saying, because I'm supposed to have it together now. And I still messed up. But everyone at home's like, no, it is the same. It's the same thing again. Mm. And it doesn't really make Seb into an interesting character. And unfortunately, at the moment, everything that Seb's involved in is to the detriment of his personality. He's involved in this this tedious love triangle with Emma and Alina that that started off as kind of like some kind of really sweet, painful romance. Now it's just oh, just really uh, oh, yeah. He plays the slave girl, and then she has to go back away to to her home yeah, country. It's like, oh, yeah. And now it's like, well, just pick one. Yeah. And. And and he's nagging his mum again. Even yeah, even though he's in the right, and he still seems to come it off is, as. It is really. Disappointing. It's like earlier. I think that seven earlier really should hard. form a support group of yeah. people who are actually Annoying, in the right. Annoying yet still, right. <laughs> it's really hard when a character is in the right, but you still can't quite sympathise with them. <laughs> Right, I'm going to move on. I'm going to talk about uh, what Gary and Adam and that lot have been up to this week. All oh, my favourite storyline here. So Gary is talking to Sarah on the phone at the beginning of Monday's episode. So I'm going to put the rent up and I'm perfectly entitled to do it. So, so what are you going up. to do? Um, Laura spends a lot of time hanging around with Adam this week, doesn't she? She's um, Laura is a really interesting character this week. She's, she's what is seducing she away. She, uh, she's, she seems to be playing the two of them off of each other, she doesn't is, she? A little she? bit, Gary and Adam. She, uh, Adam's there brazenly having multiple drinks <laughs> in know. public. Not even, I mean, how long has he been married? Like less than in the show, in show A couple time. of months. Yeah. Um, and that nobody seems to have you know, noticed this. And in Coronation Street, people are always walking in on things, aren't I they? I know. Finding, sort of finding things on the top of bins, listening round corners it's to people. because Sarah's, Sarah's married to her down, job at the moment, isn't she? Walking down the street to see people in a clinch. Yeah. Anyway, um, she, she's saying, oh, I'd never have done this without you, um, Adam, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they carry on talking about Rick and she's like, oh, I wouldn't care if he even was dead. Um, <laughs> and Kevin, Gary's like, can I just, can you write that? <laughs> yeah, can I write that in writing, Damn. please? Um, but she says, but I know that he's not dead because he's still sending, he's still sending her money. He's got his little minions and they're, and they're, and they're supposed to be putting money in, although it's not quite enough still. Um, there was also a little scene at home where Sarah's getting stressed out and Adam comes back and says, oh, don't worry about that, Gary. Um, oh, I wonder what he could need, what he needs the money for. There, there's a, there was a lot of that wondering, 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 and still not putting two and two together. Um, on Wednesday, Adam confronts Gary and has a big old moan to him about his evil schemes. And Gary's like, I don't care what you've got to say and, and I don't care about this money either. I'll double the rent if I like to, so screw you, jock. Can I just point out the idiocy of Adam, who is there with Gary going, why does Gary need the money? I can't understand it. Look towards his busted up business where he's trying to sell the most hideous sofas I've ever seen inside of a warehouse full of tat 
going, he must be all right for money. I can't understand. <laughs> and he's got Fizz on the books as well. He's, he's got Fizz. clearly not got a job that she needs She's to do She's wandering around having curry for lunch with her, with her, hus- her fake husband. Has, has anyone ever seen Fizz do any work at that furniture shop? No, I'm not convinced. No, she walks around with a notebook. She's, he's got Maria to pay for. Yeah. I mean, for goodness sake, <laughs> what do, why is Adam confused? Why, why, does, why does Gary want more money? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously he doesn't know about the real reason. It's because no. he needs to send R. Kelly to school. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. He is, he, he, he's just looking for any reason. He's, he's... The, the writers are just trying to say, this is, why Gary is invest- this is why Adam is investigating Gary. But the real reason is because we want him to discover what's happened to Rick. Yes. Not because it makes any sense that, that Adam <laughs> is confused mm. as to why Gary's business is failing and he needs extra cash. Now, there was another little interesting fact set to this story and I, well, I did put it in this story because I couldn't really see where else it would go but Carla's back on the scene in Underworld isn't it? she just kind of wanders in there on Wednesday uh, uh, afternoon's episode I mean, Wednesday evening's episode and it's like tell you what I fancy having a job back like, here they're like it's about time we need uh, yeah and they're like we need more people working here this is a long overdue yeah we need more people working at the factory with no <laughs> with clearly defined to job do. description <laughs> yeah they're always used to be just you know one job one one boss in the factory maybe they had an underling now we've yeah. got nick and sarah you, also michael elena gail toya have why you, not carla have you seen anybody do a single stitch of a knicker no it's all about <laughs> the bosses doing? i think that aren't they supposed to be a distribution thing now but yeah, they're, they're making not making anything and i haven't got, seen them do any work got to make some pants to be able to sell talk them. about bloated management it always it's all there's nobody working there they're all just management back in the good old days it always used to be about the factory girls didn't it the vera yeah. the ivy the ida and everything and every, all the gossip that they went yeah. on and then mike was there as this just the cracking whip, the whip yeah. saying get back to work you guys yeah. and, and now it it's simple. all about it's about the bosses um, anyway, Carla's saying, oh, I, I, I quite like a new challenge. And Nick says, oh, I think I can find a way to help you with this. Because he wants... Carla wa- says, I think I've been boring for too long. Yeah. Um, Nick basically needs to take some time off work because of the, um, the Ollie Wobbles stuff. And um, he thinks that Carla would make a suitable replacement. What's a temporary that? replacement. Tell Sarah... Why no, would I do that? She doesn't need to know. She'll work it out. Friday episode, Nora's back visiting Gary again and she's pleased as punch because some more money has been put in this safety deposit box. She knows it as him. She's kind of you know, she's still playing him, isn't she? She's like Why hasn't why haven't they set up some kind of like fake PayPal account or something? That's what I'd do. I'm too lazy to go to a safety deposit box. <laughs> um Back in the factory, this is when Carla does yeah, break sorry, the news. Yeah, sorry, she knows Gary's yeah, she knows the money, the the money in there. Yeah, she knows the guy's putting the money in there. Carla breaks the news to Sarah that she's taken over, and Sarah's like, hang on a minute, I, don't, I know about this. But eventually, I mean, it takes, you know, one scene later, Carla's already showing that she's a better boss than Sarah well, and Nick put together. Yeah. And so she's like, well, all you need to do, Sarah, is don't give in to Gary's demands. Stay calm. Stall for as long as you need to. And if he starts pushing you on it, set up a rent tribunal. And Sarah's just left that open mouth. Like, I don't oh. understand any words that you just said, but I I'm going to let listen, you take over now. But listen, usually when something like this happens, somebody will sort of go in and they'll say a bunch of jargon or something to kind of make everybody watching at home go, wow, I wouldn't know any of that. That's really cool. Like, you need to you need to pump the flange and evacuate the main draft. Reverse then, the polarity. Yeah, and you're like, wow, they know what they're talking about. Literally, Kyle just went, just tell 
Gary to bugger off and then take him to court. And Sarah's like, you can do that? What? Like, you used to go out with Gary. You can't tell him to do one. What is wrong with you? Grow a spine. She's just useless. Sarah is utterly useless, boss. And the fact that Carla can just stroll in. In Milan, Michael. The fact that Carla can just stroll in there and in the course of, you know, what what, what used to be one episode... (laughs) got the factory back on track again it just goes to show that they should have never let a Luke go, go from there in the first place no I know I don't I really did not like the bit though where Carla I think has been introduced reintroduced as a touchy feely boss who cares about people's feelings I don't like this I want Carla to be back to old Carla she was closest to the old Carla than she's been for a long time I know time but today. my alarm bells went off to me because what was she touchy feeling about no listen about? I'll tell you she comes in and, and she gets a cup of tea made for her and she sits sits down and Beth's there chewing a wasp and Carla goes, oh, what's wrong? And I think it's Kirk or somebody says, oh, she's down. And she goes, ah, oh, well-being. No, well, oh, wellness. Mm, I need to know about these things. No, Carla goes, look, that. Beth, you can be sad in your own time, but when you're working, you're working, whether you're happy or not. That's what Mike Baldwin would have said. What do you mean, wellness? She, Beth? Chewing a wasp has got nothing to do with mental health. That's just what she looks like. Mm. Mental health and well-being is, ah. is the new thing Wellness, at the moment, yes, but, yes. Yeah. No, t- leave it at home. I don't want you bringing your problems to work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that she's just warming herself up. Well, uh, She'll yeah. she be cracking the whip before long. I mean, as much as I, as much as I harp on about how great, like, we're talking about old vintage Corrie, Bet's, like, trajectory and how she changed and interesting to see her development i don't want carla to change i want her to be as she was i know that she's been through all these um she's she's been built up and broken down so many times obviously that would take a toll i don't i don't want that to be her legacy i want her to be brash bold carla in charge everybody do what you're told she just needs to go on a, an axing spree next week or a firing spree doesn't she she needs to be throwing the people if i was like confetti yeah. and said michael out Kirk, out. out. Toya, out. Don't need any of you. Gail, what are you even doing here Get still? Out. Oh, and look, now we've got the money to pay Gary some of what he wants. Fine, Easy. yeah, brilliant. Also, Sarah, <laughs> you're fired as well. Yeah, totally, Sarah. <laughs> I, 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 I just, I've never, ever, ever bought Sarah as a boss, and you have at some points, haven't you? I've always consistently argued that I just <laughs> cannot see Sarah being a boss there. She doesn't know what she's talking about. I'm, I'm I've not seen a shred of evidence that Sarah Lou is in any way a capable boss. It li- Nick, a li- Nick, Nick kind of is, but Carla was always the one. Well... And Johnny. Johnny was a fine boss. He was a great boss. As, as somebody who's never actually spent a lot of time in an office environment or at, at work, because I work from home my entire career, pretty much, apart from a couple of stints in offices... My entire impression of somebody and how good they are at their job, for a woman at least, is how well they dress. And Sarah today, <laughs> what a state. Yeah. <laughs> what was she wearing? Yeah, Some tr- kind of weird asymmetrical like floral skirt with a black lace top. No, go home. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she, she has been to Milan, like you said earlier, so... Well, it's what they're, that's wearing. What they're all wearing. I think, in, I think they're still wearing pyjamas, aren't they, on lockdown still, or... Mm. Or not, I don't know. I'm don't not okay with Nobody's Italian. at lockdown yet. Although, I think next week is the week when we're all post-lockdown in Coronation Street. I well, don't think it's the beginning of the week. I think 
is it the 24th? So maybe it's next Friday is the first fully post-lockdown episode and it's when we finally get to see the rainbows on the windows and find out whether there's a time jump, which I, I don't absolutely think there will, don't be, think there will because be. Because the thing is, today, Jack said he had to do a presentation online for school. Did? Yeah. That's what he said it was, an online presentation. Ah. So that's why I said it. I said as soon as he said it, oh, there's no oh, time yeah, jump. Oh, you did, didn't you? So they are in post-lockdown now. Or middle lockdown. They can't hmm. be in the middle of lockdown. I don't Ooh, know. Oh, I don't know, actually. It's really confusing because... I didn't, I didn't clock that, but... Because everybody's at work, nobody's social distancing or wearing masks in the factory. No. Carla's swanning about with a cup of tea in her hand, mm. licking things. And, and, and <laughs> t- today, or this week, it was the turn of Kevin and Abby to alternate between are we getting up close and personal or keeping the hand yeah. away from each other. <laughs> like they were, he was leaning right all over on the uh, on the kitchen table in th- number 13 at the end of the episode, wasn't he? Isn't it funny? It's so weird how uh, imagining like the beginning of an episode, you film months after the end of an episode. I also find it strange the way there's a correlation between how repelled women are from from men. Like the the longer and greyer their hair the further away the women want to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's, what else has been going on? It. Oh, uh, we have, we see Laura and Adam again at the end of the episode and she's saying to well, him... Well, she's invited him out for a drink down yeah. the Rovers and he is so cocky, he goes, he gets a phone call from Sarah and he just ignores it. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode she says, look, here's my key to my safety deposit box. Uh, no, what she's telling Adam what's going on with the the behind the scenes she's saying to adam listen this is how rick sends money he gets one of his lackeys aka gary but she doesn't tell adam that she's talking about gary to put money in the box and this is the key Mm. that that i use to open it and get money out yeah and adam's like money box gary rent no i don't know (laughs) i don't know what it could be so is gary is gary uh sorry is adam gonna get hold of this key then is he gonna? But what she doesn't need, he doesn't need the key. He just needs to find out where the box is and watch who puts money in it. What's he gonna do? Open it? And well, it's I just thought say, the fact that she was floating the key the around. The fact that she's got the key gonna... doesn't make any sense to me because, yeah, you're right. It would indicate that at some point Adam's gonna open the box and find something in there. What's it gonna be? A note that says, "Dear Laura, enjoy the cash. Love Gary. Cross that out. Rick underneath it." <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna go. Nah, still don't. Still can't work this one out. What could be the secret? <laughs> just, just hurry up and do it. I'm, I'm yeah, totally over this. Laura, story. also, what is her game? I don't know. She obviously fancies Adam, but if she, she, she clearly doesn't want to make a relationship with him because if she did, she would be spilling the beans about Gary. Because we've seen many a time on, on Coronation Street a woman very eager to throw everybody under the bus for a possible shag, and she is not doing that. Mm. I don't know why she would want to protect Gary. She knows Gary's closer to Rick than he is letting on, because she let him know that at the beginning of today's episode. Mm. I just don't know what her game is. No. That's kind of interesting. I also just, I am living... But uh, she's got something on. She gave Gary a saucy look today, and she flicked his Isaac's cradle, whatever Oh, it's yeah, called. it's Newton's cradle, yeah. Mm. I, if, if Adam doesn't get his... Balls cut off by the end of this story. It's going to be disappointing. Why? Sa- oh, with so Sarah. <laughs> he's literally, as you say, he's just got married it's, to her, it's work. and he is openly courting. But he does it. He's not. Doesn't fancy it. I know. Laura. I know he doesn't. But he's lying. It's okay if you don't really fancy them. 
I th- the thing is, I think Sarah probably would kind of roll over and accept it. I think she'd have a bit of a give him. She give him a dose of the old wonky fingers, and then she'd like and then they'd just carry on as normal. But he's a real, he he's a utter slime ball, Adam. He's being very disrespectful to the marital bed. He really is. He, literally, I think I've seen more scenes of Adam yeah, with Laura yeah, right. than I have Adam and Sarah. They've had like two <laughs> scenes together since they've been but married. Michael, Adam and Laura have had a good ten. But Michael, the show has to build the relationship between Laura and Adam. Mm, Sarah well, and Adam, only... old news. <laughs> um, what else did we have this week? Ollie Wobbles. See, this is what I'm at. This is what I'm talking about. This was a good story this week, but we only just saw the tail end of something that started last Friday on Monday, didn't we? Um, is this my story? This is yours, isn't it? You're doing this one. On Monday. I, I enjoyed this. Do you want to read it then? No, no, you can go for it. Um, I can't remember what the counsellor is doing. Oh, the counsellor's there. They're the group therapist. They're saying, look at all this. Look, photos we of dying farm. children, Leanne. We went to a farm. They were given six years, but they live for 25 years. Mm. Um, and, and Leanne only hears the last bit. Nick's impressed. Leanne's looking positive. And she's and she says, "Oh, I've been acting like he's already gone, but he's not. He's still here." And um, I think, and she, she really only latches onto this thing that the woman said, which was my son or my nephew. I can't remember. Got lived a lot longer than they said he would. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's not what we wanted her to hear. No. But doesn't matter. Imran and Toya come back, and they hear. Leanne waxing lyrical about this and Nick's like well it's good to be op- optimistic and everyone's like yikes um, and everyone feels sorry for, for her and then Leanne says that she, she's she got this like really manic brightness isn't she she's like oh it's going to be fine I was wrong, Steve, poor Steve we can go on holiday, it'll be fine as long as we've got really good insurance he can't die in Cornwall, no one dies in Cornwall it's like Disneyland, let's go let's go and everyone's like Jesus Christ <laughs> have you seen the R rate in Florida this week Leanne <laughs> outside Imran decides that now's the time to tell Nick that they had plans he and Toya Are you to well, he shouldn't have done that I know He's um, just so keen to have a foster kid, isn't he, Imran? He's like, listen, now Leanne's so happy about Cornwall, can't we have a kid as ourselves as well? He says, I know I'm being selfish, but now that Leanne's feeling positive again, perhaps we should bring it up. And Nick's like, you don't feel selfish. Maybe we should talk about it. Let's all get together. So in the flat, Nick asks Toya to tell him about the fostering. She's like, what? What fostering? And then she finds out that Imran's told her... And she's very surprised when Nick says he thinks it's a great idea. And then Leanne comes in and says, what's a great idea or something like that? And um, no, 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 Toya says, oh, it's not the right time. And Leanne says, what do you mean? The holiday? Cornwall? It won't be there forever, you know? One day it's going to fall off and float away. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. Uh, we're talking about fostering. Um, and Toya comes clean and Leanne is very surprised and shocked and she doesn't react she, she, one way or the other immediately. She was just, she is basically as shocked Stunned. as the viewers were yeah. <laughs> when they find out, when we found out that Imran and Toy were so far down the fostering route. Yeah. So Toy explains. How do I not know this? And then Leanne says, don't change your plans for me. The timing's a bit rubbish, but if you want to foster, then you should. And Toy's like, oh, it's like getting an Oscar. It was lovely. That I, I thought it was really, uh, for a tragic story, I thought that, that this week's ended on a really positive note. I don't know 
because because I I had thought originally that this idea had been put on the back burner and maybe it wasn't going to happen anymore. But now I'm feeling a bit more positive that maybe Toyo and Imran are going to go down the foster. But you route. you're excited about this, aren't you? You I, want to see them have a foster child. I think I do only because it it gives them some kind of you know common Cement. yeah. Whether they stay together or not in the long run, they could have a kid together. I'm not particularly interested. I'm really sorry. I don't... Whenever a child is involved in the storyline in Coronation Street, I go... I know, I'd rather there was something else. Check out then. But um, I am... There's a lot of potential here and it could go in any direction and I don't know where it's going to go. I think it's going to be a very... It's going to be a serious and and, um, emotional storyline because I think that... They know the actors can handle that kind of thing and they'll do a really good job. But equally, I was kind of hoping that they would foster a series of calamitous children who are just awful and, like, turn up and they're, like, 17 and 11 months and they're like, oh, I don't care, I've got my PlayStation, don't talk to me, you know, kind of thing. Mm. You know what I mean? I would kind of, like... You know, like, when a character goes, I'm going to sign up to online dating and you go, oh, there's going to be a load of funny stories where they meet crazy people. Mm. Like like happened to Maria. Yes, but I don't think that um, I don't think Coronation Street's like. How can we get comedy into the show? I know fostering. Yeah, the, the, that this fostering. story foster children are hilarious. I I wonder whether Leanne's saying I'm fine with it now. You you foster all your to your heart's content, but when they actually no, she won't like go it. through with it. She'll make. She's going to find it very difficult, and yeah, she and will. hopefully Toya and Imran will consider this, and and I think Toya still might do. I think she might still. I know she's feeling. It, it felt that she was a bit overwhelmed at the end of it and surprised and happy that they could go ahead to them. But I think Toya's going to think, hang on a minute, no, I still don't think it's the right time. But Imran's going to be nagging her and say, no, Dan says it's fine, let's go for it. But equally, I think that the, they could come across, Imran and Toya, being a bit flaky if they're going back and forth, back and forth to the social services. It's like, can we foster? No, actually, we don't want to foster. No, actually, it's fine again. And I, that, that could, yeah, could ruin their case a little bit. I just really... I I know that I've, I've um been in defence of the the background pursuit of them uh doing fostering and saying you know we don't need to see everything we just need to take it for granted you know t- take it that this has happened behind the scenes and um not complain that we didn't get to see it but i really kind of wish that we had seen something with toya and imran that makes me invested in them being a parent parents because i know that i know toya's story about children i believe that she wants a kid i totally buy that 100 percent. i don't need any convincing but i do with imran and i wish i had seen something mm. about him because now he's the driving force toya is quite happy to sit back and let leanne's tragedy play out without involving anything more than than needs to but Imran's the driving force here for wanting a wanting a foster child he's the one that's stuck his oar in and told Nick what's going on he obviously is really really super invested in having a child but I have not seen anything from him about liking kids wanting a kid thinking fostering's great nothing at all and I think Coronation Street takes it for granted that everybody wants kids, and that's not true. I think maybe we're just supposed to think that there's there's a hole in his heart left by Rana. No, I just think that and Coronation he's got, Street got a, love, got a lot of love to give. Coronation Street perhaps is full of people who all have children and think that everybody wants children all the time, mm. and they don't need to explain. They don't need to explain it, and to to most people, no, you don't need to explain the the, the, most the need for a child. But but I would like to have seen 
something more than just them take it take it for granted that's what's happened because if you took everybody's emotions for granted there wouldn't be a tv show would there mm. it's, it's everybody explaining and working through their emotions and feelings and thoughts and background and and baggage and imran is just chock-a-block full of baggage mm. and again i still don't know anything about his first marriage other than he says she was she was a raging cow but that's what they all say <laughs> when they get divorced that's what i'll say yeah but you see what i mean i yeah. think we're missing a big backstory for imran here and yeah. it was a perfect opportunity to explore it a bit more yeah, the thing is the story isn't about imran and toy adoption is it it's about ollie and this fostering. is just a yeah, fostering oh, no, sorry it's, it's about, about ollie that. and this is just the, the side thing but um but no there's still time for it i can Imagine a scene where Toya and Imran are in a corridor waiting to go in to, to meet their child for the first time and Imran turns to Toya and says, ever since I was a boy, I've always wanted to be a father, mm. whatever, 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 insert thing here, Celine was a cow, she never wanted kids, she's so selfish, not like you, perfect woman, can't have a child, such a tragedy, all women should have children. And then that blah, attack blah, you blah. to believe it a bit more. Well... Maybe. I want something from Imran mm. that other than everyone wants kids, don't they? If you don't, well... Yeah, yeah. It kind of feels a bit insulting to just assume that everyone wants kids, personally. Mm. But obviously, it, I, the, I bring my own baggage to that. The, the fact that Leanne's given it the OK means that it, there is more to come with this. And I was wondering last week whether this story would be just, you know, hung out to dry now and it was just like a little mini bump in the road in the Ollie story, but it looks like Coronation Street are invested in can I, revisiting it at some future stage. Can I ask you, when you imagine Toya and Imran, Imran, I've had too much wine. I I poured Gemma quite well, a large glass of wine. I said, can you put wine in this? I, Anna, I, Alan Browning the heck wine. out of this. You did. Yeah, so... um. Yeah, Gemma sent me to the kitchen. I don't know what's a normal amount of wine. You do have a giant wine glass, but... Not so, it's sophisticated to have a small <laughs> amount of wine in a giant glass. That's what you do. See, when you I get myself get a lemonade, I just fill it right up to the top, and then it's not the same with... Listen, when you imagine them having a, fostering a child, please tell me what you visualise. Uh, <sighs> I'd like them to have somebody nice. I just want them to be, have a happy family. I want them well, to have a, a Wayne Hayes kind of tragic... What, like yet. a 30-year-old man? No, I mean, <laughs> an old one. A, a hello, nice little pair. cute hello, teenager hello, who they can have <laughs> can some... Can you help me with my mortgage? <laughs> who they can have happy times with and, and they're rescuing him or her, yeah, from some tragic um, yeah. circumstance. Yeah. And, and the fact that they're having such a lovely time makes what's going on with Leanne all the worse. Yeah, so you imagine it's going to be an older, an older child who can articulate yeah. things. Yeah, I, I reckon so. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know... I, I'm kind of, I don't need a baby. It can't be a baby. And I know Toya wants Please to have a baby, baby, but no, if, if I, the, the last thing I want is for Toya, Toya's character to be bogged down by, you know, early motherhood for the next no. five, six years. I imagine... Give him someone that can just be a friend to you know, Jack or whatever. I imagine a troubled child that, that initially has lots of issues that and screaming matches and you're not my real mum and dad and oh, yeah. eventually they Standard. sort of win them over and Toya's lovely and Imran's great and mm. sticks them on his shoulders and they run through the sunshine yeah. at, at the end. Mm. I don't know. That's what I, And I, then maybe they may even move out and have their own place together. 
as long as it's on the street. Yeah. I I also in my mind I know this doesn't make any sense, but I imagine them a, them fostering Summer or somebody very like her, like a quite mm. serious young girl. Yeah. Who See, was I, a bit like Toya. I'm I'm not saying that I want to get rid of Yasmina or anything, but she's rattling around. When when she gets out, she's going to be rattling around number (laughs) six on her own, isn't she? And I could see number six being a family home for Toya, Imran. Shove her in the orangery. Yeah, why not? Don't you think that would be a nice house for for those two and a kid? It looks like the sort of place that they might want to live. Yeah. Tasteful. Tastefully decorated. I think Toya would would love it. Oh, yeah. Uh, But... There's no other places on the streetway where I can think, oh, that's a long overdue set that needs something doing to it or somebody needs to move out and mm. make room for, for them as a family. Yeah. And we've just had a new Victoria flat s- set for Gary and Maria. Mm. So I don't think we're going to have another I one just, I, I, I don't really... I think that having one character and it will be back to one again, having Yasmin when she finally gives... Uh, Jeff the boot having the whole house for that one person is a bit much I think Alia might move back in with her I think Ryan and Alia might end up with Yasmin and then I think that I think Toya and Imran might end up in that flat by themselves mm, I don't know why I think that but they I, ha- I see right, those I two think... as house people more and Ryan and Imran uh, Alia and Imran being younger and yeah I, I do I do think that if there's a future for Imran and Toya and they're fostering, they do need, you're right, they need to have a a set that feels like their home because that flat that they're in at the moment just feels like a DOS house for whoever doesn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. Nothing in that house is anything to do with Toya and Imran. No. I mean, I, I, I can't keep expecting Kate to wander out through yeah. through the door one episode because I forget who lives there. I know. It's They're very... Yeah, Come and go. one size fits all, really. Yeah. Um, Michael and Grace. So the, this story was also over and done with by the end of um, Monday. He's he's moping around um, in the garage at the beginning of the episode with because um, of Grace on Friday, kicked him to the curb, basically. Aggie meets with Grace in the cafe and says, she talks about being a lighthouse parent. What the hell is that? Um, somebody is that... That, the pet, that the children can, can come to, to for, for succour and stuff. I think she's a helicopter parent. She she's says, an attack helicopter look, parent. We both want what's best for Michael and Tiana and Grace. I, I, I enjoyed this conversation, and Aggie was totally in control, and Grace was looking very anxious about it. Aggie was like cool as a cucumber, and she. But I love this though because she and it made me wonder, like, because we we were thinking last week, does Aggie have? Does she know something? Does she, yeah. has she got something over Grace? But I, I, I think Nothing if she did, it would have come out in that. this chat. I mean, Aggie definitely knew that she had the upper hand here, but there were there no. didn't appear to be any clues about no why depth. Grace is you know bowing down to no her subtext. every no. She says, "I think you might just be good for him," and then she also says, "If you want to be with him and you're keeping your distance because of me." And I think you're making a mistake. Mm. And this was supposed to come across as Aggie kind of like going, Grace, I give you my blessing. Please date my my son. You are really great together. But basically, it came across as Aggie going, look, if you've got a problem, it's your own problem. Not my fault. It's nothing to do with me. If you're keeping your distance because you think I'm a nagging cow, then you're an idiot. You should go out with Michael and just put up with me. Mm. Didn't it? Basically. She didn't say anything like, I'm sorry if I've been a cow. I'm, I, I apologise for my behaviour. I promise not to interfere in the future. She just said, get with my, get with my um, son or you've made a mistake. Mm. <laughs> and, and Grace is supposed to go, 
Thank you very much for your sage advice, future mother-in-law. <laughs> so she doesn't, she, she, they go back home to, to number three and, and they make up and, and Michael's chuffed a bit. And then, um, but, but at the end of the, and he's, he kind of is like, oh, hooray, everything's going to be all right now. But at the end of the scene, Grace gives a classic um, soap sad face, like, is this what I really want? Or I still know something or I've got a tragic secret or I know, I know something that he doesn't know and maybe Aggie knows it too, but I'm not so sure now. Well, this is the trouble. But they're, they're a couple now There's, anyway. Like the, the, the cultural constant, the constant struggle in our culture, like the meme of mother-in-law versus daughter-in-law. Mm. Yeah. In, in that situation, the mother-in-law shouldn't really be the one with the upper hand. Because the daughter-in-law is the one who is going to be with the the son. She should be the one in in charge of that relationship, not the mother-in-law. And so Grace is walking into this relationship, giving all the power to Aggie to decide whether they should be going out at all. Foolish. She's she's stupid. She, She should have put her foot down and said, thank you for your input, Aggie, but I will decide if I want to date Michael or not. I'm not going to be guilted into it by you. And if you really think that we should be together, perhaps you should back off and let the relationship come naturally instead of lecturing me. Mm. But there's, there's got to be some kind of secret, isn't there? I don't know. It... The thing is, I'll say this again, there doesn't have to be a family secret or some kind of like tragic backstory or, or salacious details for a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law to have a conflict. Heads, yeah. Because there is a natural like I said, shift of power where the the mother has to accept that she is no longer the most important woman or she, she should no longer be mm. the most important woman in the son's life. He has to concentrate on his new family. Mm. And um, Aggie just doesn't seem to get that. But I don't know if the writers get it either. I don't know. And it feels like that this story has once again been put on the back burner now to but be I, revisited in maybe months' time. I would be perfectly happy to watch just a simple mother, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law just conflict, struggle, just a natural, normal, everyday humdrum, this is what happens everywhere across the country all the time, story between Grace and Aggie, just sniping, sniping, sniping. Because you don't need any backstory. You don't need any secrets. Mm. And again, it's a, as we said before about the Baileys, it's, it's a story that brings out, bring out their personality and give them drama and stuff, but it wouldn't be something focusing on, like, oh, this is the Black family, or... Yeah. It would be something... This is the family of the gay son. Yeah, it'd be something that everybody could relate to as well. Mm. And... I don't know, I'm just thinking... Because it really does feel like that there is some unspoken trauma, but I don't know if they've just... It's because they've just... Because they've had so many that you were conditioned also, to expect it. I don't know if it's just, like, weird looks that we've... That we're... Picking up on that aren't really there. Yeah. Like, but but no, you're right, something. Grace did make a look. Like, why would you Why would you sit there and listen to Aggie going, you should me, 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 go out with my son, and go, okay, and then go, oh, but I, I don't really want to. What is it that... Why does Grace care what Aggie thinks? When she came into the show, she couldn't give two hoots. Mm. Now she's suddenly guilted into dating a man. Yeah, that's no that's no foundation know. for a relationship. <laughs> and I, I don't you don't need to be an agony aunt to to say that truth. <laughs> right, come on, let's do let's finish off. Uh, we we had a bit of Peter Scott issues this week, didn't we? Again, edging 
slowly, slowly forward with this. Basically, Peter started to suspect Scott, hasn't he? Oh, my God. Peter was being such a dick this week. Haven't it? Why? Moaning about Carla behind her back? No, no, no. You, you, you read... Well, P- Peter starts telling Emma about Amy because she wanted a new pair of trainers and Peter said no. Um, no, was it? Somebody was saying no, but anyway, at the end of the day, Carla says... Tracy. Tracy says no. Steve says no, maybe. Peter says no. But Carla says, yeah, whatever, you can have a pair of trainers. Um, and Scott weighs in on this no, little moment no, first. Yeah, so saying, look, you don't want bratty kids like Amy. She, she needs to know her place. And so Peter says, what's it to do with you? You're just a so lodger here. Peter, so Peter is Amy's uncle. So, hang on. Amy's right. trying to get everybody to Amy's buy her like trainers. Amy's like buying trainers. And Peter said... So, so his girlfriend Carla bought his niece trainers, despite the fact that her parents said that she shouldn't have them. Yeah. yeah? And then Peter's talking about this to to Emma, mm. and then Scott goes, "Oh, she sounds like a brat. You shouldn't give in." And then Peter, for the rest of the week, goes on and on and on about how Scott stuck his nose in and interfered with his with his with his family. Secrets. Well, no. Like, Peter's Peter's suspicions are raised further when they start talking about um, when they go in the bat later. Peter and Scott and Scott saying, "Look, you, you." Um, he, yeah, that's what I mean. He keeps you didn't, going. You didn't stand up for Carla the other week. No, he you, says you're he not. You, you're, you're bad mouthing Carla in front of your your staff in the in the bar. Who's saying this? Got saying that. Okay. Not only that, but you didn't stand up for Carla when those two smackheads were. Um, Trying in to, here. yeah, we're in here doing whatever a couple of weeks ago, and it looked like somebody else had to sort them out. And he was, he was almost, he was just going, falling short of making it obvious that it was him who beat them up in yeah, the so, end. So Scott confronts Peter and says, You're terrible because, yeah, Peter says, Shut your mouth about my family. And Scott says, Sounds like to me that you don't know what you're doing because you let your girlfriend be beat around by smackheads and I had to beat him up for you. Yeah. And, um, I'm not surprised that you were, you ain't got a backbone and you can't stand up to your family. Yeah, so Peter's <laughs> Peter reckons that there's some secret uh, dark side to to, to Scott. No, but and he then just he didn't... starts talking to Jenny about it on Friday, and Jenny's Jenny's got no suspicions about about Scott. She's too busy worrying about why Johnny's not not coming back from France. Although if Jenny put two and two together, she might realise that yeah, there's something is dodgy going on with Scott that maybe Johnny's trying to hide from, which is Jenny clearly was really the case. Funny on the phone, she's like, "Go, <laughs> love to fly." I just thought it was really funny that Peter got his nose pat out of joint so much by Scott telling him that Amy was a spoiled brat, that he brings it up three separate occasions. The first time he brought it up was when Scott initially said it. He's like, shut your mouth, it's none of your business. And Scott's like, if you, if you stand in the bar and go on about it in a really loud voice next to my ear, you make it my business. So, <laughs> yeah, I will weigh in if I want to. This is a pub. Everyone's in everyone else's business. Then he goes back the second time and confronts Scott and says, oh, keep your nose out of my family's business. And Scott goes, maybe you sort yourself out and I wouldn't have to. And then on Friday, he comes up to Jenny Gates and says, was really mean to me the other day. And he said that Amy is a smart brand. <laughs> what is, is he, he literally needs to get something else to do with his life because he's so caught up with Scott Doing one thing. And the other thing that made me laugh... He's not caught up enough. He's not really doing much investigating. <laughs> no, but listen. Scott's, like, all the way through... 
So, so Scott goes to him, Amy's a sport brat and I beat up some smackheads. And then the rest of the week, Peter's going, Scott was being horrible about Amy. And something else, I can't remember. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're yeah, focusing yeah. on the wrong thing, Peter. I think that, I, I reckon... Also, Amy is a spoiled brat. Yeah, I reckon next week could be the week. I'm not going to put what? any money on it but that we maybe think? find out something about Scott. I know, and I don't think... it's. it's and kind I hope of... it's maybe the week we see Johnny as well, but it's not feeling like we are. Johnny comes back from France. He's got says, to come back at some point. I'll admit it. Finally, here's what happened. Scott's my dad. No. Um, Jenny, Jenny needs to realise that the reason that Scott, that Johnny's not coming back is because of Scott or something. I, I don't know. It's just getting ridiculous now, the, the amount of time this is taken. Also, by the end of next week, the Rovers is going to be closed, isn't it? Yeah, Because be. of the lockdown and everything. <laughs> is, doesn't make any sense. Is, are they also the going to have to like kick Scott out as a lodger? Or is Scott no, he's locked, locked down. down. He's like, oh, I'm now. quarantining with you. I'm not paying my bills now. But equally, do, Boris Johnson if, can pay. if next Friday's episode is in a post-COVID world, is Johnny going to be forced to come home? Or is it like, if there's going to be a back. reason why you're stuck in France? I'm in France for three months. Maybe. Um, that's I, it, I think that week, they've I think they've messed this up a little bit. We'll see. We, because, there has to no, be an but, element but, of forgiveness for COVID. No, I know, I know. I, yeah, I'm, I'm. No judgment, but they've messed it up because we've got, we've got Jack saying, if they if they hadn't had that line in with Jack saying I'm doing my online presentation, then it would be fine. But the fact now, anybody watching that, that is basically code for. I'm not going to school because we're in quarantine. And then nothing else makes sense after that, does it? No, but it couldn't have been because the scenes that were filmed at number 13 today with the rap, they were not socially distanced. They were filmed before lockdown. So I wonder whether... I I think that Jack's online presentation just is... What schools did that before quarantine? Well, maybe. maybe I I think that's a maybe weird Bessie coincidence. That maybe that's the same kind of I weird coincidence that, like, we had with um, Yasmin washing her hands to Happy Birthday. I, I, that's what I think it is. Something like well, that. I'll let it slide, but um, and I will say as well, definitely agree with you that we forgive any mistakes and and boo boos and things that errors, whatever, and things that don't make sense because it is an unprecedented situation, but I totally reserve my right to mention it whenever I see it because this is going to be part of the fun of being a Coronation Street fan. Mm. Seeing the blends and where they don't quite and the, and the, where the seams don't quite meet. Yeah. You know? I, I've, I've not particularly been noticing the, the, the social distancing I haven't stuff. noticed When it, I've really. stopped to think about it, I think, oh yeah, that, that's it, but it's really not glaringly obvious. No. Ne- next Friday is going to be the... The, so the next moment. Friday is when I think it's Friday. I've got that in my head now. The next Friday is when they got the all of the post lockdown stuff, and it's from that point onwards. It's all going to be post lockdown. Everything had been filmed post lockdown. Yeah. That's going to be in I believe, that episode. I believe so. And then we're gonna we're gonna find out how how, how Coronation Street are managing it. And because the, because apart from and that, there's one no perfect thing, way to do it. But you're right. We can't. We 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 can make lots of it. Um, allowances, but yeah. we can still say we can still say. Do we think that they made the right editorial yeah. decisions? Yeah, and. It can be yes or no, but it doesn't mean that they, that we, you know, crit, you know, it's not the same thing as making a mistake 
in a storyline that you you know mm. it's it's just an interesting yeah. trivia really and i think apart from the fact that jack said i was doing an online presentation nothing has said covid-19 lockdown quarantine at all no it was just that really stuck out to me that he said he was doing that. Mm. I, I want to rewatch that myself. I didn't notice. Anyway, also this week, Daniel's gone and had a booty call with Nikki, and he's dumped um, so we're Bertie still... on Tracy. That's so you, basically that story. So you isn't think it? that he's definitely sleeping with her? Oh yeah, he must be. He said he's going know. out to meet with some uni mates, but he is because Adam sees him on Friday and says, "Oh, Ken says that you were as happy as a clam when you came back the other day." So he clearly has. If he's sleeping with her and paying her £220, I mean, if he's not sleeping with her, but he's still paying her £220, then both of them should be ashamed of themselves. Daniel should be ashamed of himself for not going to the NHS and asking for counselling for free. And she should be ashamed of herself for taking money off of a, a single far, grieving father. Daniel should no also job. be ashamed of himself because it turns out that Ken's been bankrolling him all this and time. Ken so they're using Ken's this. money to and pay for a prostitute. Oh, what did you do? He's like, I had steak for lunch. I don't know if that is a euphemism for I got my end away. Mm. But he says you stop taking money off granddad. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're right, Daniel. We were saying this is the mystery that was solved this week. Where's Daniel getting his cash from? So what is he saying to Ken? Ken, can I have £220? Ken's like, yes, this seems to be a regular thing with you. What are you <laughs> spending £220 on? He's like, nothing. Steak. <laughs> Well, he's now going to get a job working at the solicitors, isn't he, Daniel? He's taken, he's going to sit in Leanne's chair for a bit, which in is the hot seat. She, which is she's also keeping warm for Rosie at the moment. <laughs> Just a series of people who are temping for each other, <laughs> and, and is, then eventually Daniel will leave, and Rosie will temp for him, and it will be a big circle. Well, Daniel's taken the job of an ex-prostitute so that he can give the money to a <laughs> prostitute. You're not allowed to say prostitute. God, you have to say counsellor. <laughs> Ina Sharples is turning over in her grave, I tell you. Right, um, what did we have this week, score-wise? I'm, th- I'm thinking I, l- I like Monday's episode more, Wednesday, Friday episode, a bit more. I, I, I appreciate uh, My favourite story of the week was definitely the Ollie Wobbles stuff. The Yasmina's story is ticking along nicely. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking for sort of a bit more, bit more drama there. Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one a I'm gonna give this a three. I was gonna say three. Feels like a three a three um three 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 bottles of harm oil out of uh <laughs> out of five this week. What about you? Um three Kirk's balls. Oh bloody Kirk's balls. That was bloody Oh, he's like um, Kirk this week David Bowie I've, I've, had a, I've had my moan about this on the Facebook group this week but I've just had enough of Kirk get rid of him it's like the... oh it's bad I love Andy Wyman he's great I know but and the... he's really good at Kirk when they write well but they I don't know this they... week was scraping the bottom of the barrel and I know I'm terrible with my puns and I make the <laughs> stupid remark but at least you and... write for yourself yeah. <laughs> I, I, I say stupid make rude jokes and things but telling Kirk saying do you want to have a play on my balls I mean could it get more you know more base humour and cliched than that and then it comes again has anybody seen my balls come on do you think you're the first person to have ever made that joke before it's just not funny he doesn't he doesn't just Uh, have he doesn't have to say something stupid for literally every single line it used to be a bit more the humour used to be a bit more layered and intelligent for, for Kirk because he it would be less obvious 
less obviously stupid. Like you could plausible, it was plausible that somebody who was saying that could be confused and make a joke by accident. Nobody who has balls of their own would make it would make a statement about going on have a play on my balls without realizing that that's exactly the same joke they used to make when they were like ten. That's the that's the problem with you. Don't Kirk. even have to have your own. His jokes are so obvious and so stupid. No, yeah. Nobody. These I'm sure they used to be funnier, and I think that the writers are getting lazy with Kirk. Just, this this week's line was just the ultimate in lazy it was really, Kirk really writing. Easy to write. I think anyone could have written that line for Kirk, and that's not what it shouldn't be. That easy. It should. It's there. There it should, should be. be a bit there of should wit. be clever humor. Yeah. I mean. In 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 a similar way, it's it's if you look back at you know Hilda Ogden's malapropisms, that's a character being stupid, kind of, but in a clever way. Yeah, and Jean Alexander was an excellent comedy performer, and 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 but Andy Wyman can be too. Well, yeah, I mean he was he was in comedies of all crazies in the royal family. It's not his delivery of the lines that's the issue at all, and I we can sit here and criticize. I wouldn't be able to write for Kirk. You've got to be really clever. And, and witty and and sharp. But I just think they've been phoning it in a little bit and I'd like them to tighten that up a bit. Mm. I'm not saying give him high drama stories or no, anything. No, he doesn't need it. We don't want that. Just don't make it schoolboy humour. And I know people wouldn't agree, not everyone's going to agree with this, but the, 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 the Our Souls song was I know that's the really problem. On the one hand I can say I can moan about him going on that about his balls. But the arseholes I thought was hilarious. That was really funny. So, yeah. But but I because I'd never heard that joke before. That's, I think that's the thing. And, but I've heard people talking about playing my balls. Blah, blah, blah. Everybody's heard that joke. We've all been to primary school. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so three. We're getting get this week. <laughs> um, character of the week. Um, oh, Abby Yaz. I'm not going to give it to Abby, who literally <laughs> abandoned her twins just because she got a bit, you know, a bit worried about it. I know she, she should really. Out. You're supposed to be. I know she's it's the anti-character. But are you the supposed week, to be like? Can't you? Even I have done things. Hit right. Here's a stupid example. When Safi had to be put down, I went in with her and held her while she was put down. I didn't want to do that. That broke my heart. I cried for ages, and I I still have bad memories about that. But I did it for her, even though it was really painful. Abby couldn't even say goodbye to her own twins, who aren't going to die. Australia is not a death camp anymore. It's actually a really nice place to live. <laughs> she couldn't even go in there and say goodbye for them. That mm. was terrible. It really She's really got was. to redeem herself. I'm I I'm hopeful. I'm I'm holding out I hope. Want, I wanted to go to the airport and do a do I a love that. actually yeah. run yeah to catch them. Or she could do a love give them a actually big old hug. Or. Another love actually move. She could wait till they move to Australia, go at Christmas, play carols, hold up a sign, going, I love you. Tell them it's carol singers. I don't think the siblings can read. <laughs> no, I, I want there to be... Fine if she's going to wave them off, but she needs to have a big old hug with them next week. I would forgive her well, she can't, if she, she does got, that. She's got to do it before Friday then, otherwise she will have to do it through plastic. <laughs> very true. Um, I'm going to I'm going to give my character of the week to Leanne this week for being a very understanding sister and Good accepting... God. What are you talking about? And accepting about? her sister and um, boyfriend's... Her, her sister's <laughs> boyfriend's um, plans to go fostering, even though she knows probably deep down that it will be very difficult for her to sit back and watch while Ollie is going through... Traumatic times. Another person who can sacrifice their own emotions for someone else's well-being. Exactly. I will give mine to Yasmin because I liked her standing up to to Jeff. 
Yes. Thought that was a big Putting step. Putting the phone forward. down on her. Even though, she, even though she didn't, she was still. She didn't fall her, through in the end. Her intention was good. Yeah. And that's the first step, isn't it? Like, intent. Like this is probably the first time she stood up to him, for a while. She used to do it in the early days, but now she's she's kind of girded her loins. She didn't. She wasn't quite as successful as we would hope it to be. She stabbed him in the neck. How much more do you want? Do you want to see her standing up to him? Michael, I'm a feminist. <laughs> she should have killed him. <laughs> right, I think we're done. This is it for Street Talk. All right, week. Um, yeah, it's fine. See, let's see what next week shall bring. Don't let us down next week, Abby. <laughs> let's move on to uh, see a bit of news in the cabin. Oh, news time. News. 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 Here's the news. Gemma just made me a cup of tea. Thanks, Gemma. You're welcome. Just You're perfectly it. welcome. We always have a... I wonder whether people think, like, if you listen to a podcast, how do they think that we piece it all together? Because we mostly just record it all in one go, but sometimes we record bits early and sometimes we have a little bit of a break between sections and everything, don't we? We'll often have a, a wee or a, wee and a, yeah. a tea break. Well, also, also, we put our phones on airplane mode when we're recording the podcast as well. So sometimes when we finish the podcast, we get to unlock it and see, oh, what's all the notifications <gasps> what been? What has happened? Like, like Nothing. Jack P. Shepard just likes my socks on Instagram while you I was recording Street Talk tonight. You such an exciting life compared to me. I know, I know. I got some Coronation Street socks from, uh, I think it was my, yeah, it was one of the TAs at school gave me uh, these. I got a Coronation Street socks and a Coronation Street mug as end of term presents this, uh, this year, so it's quite a good haul. You're very lucky to get presents at the end of every mm. year to celebrate how hard you work, but you do work very hard. I I think all I can look forward to when I leave my job is redundancy. <laughs> I was thinking, talking about Jack P. Shepard as well, I also got my hair cut this week, and I'm kind of wondering, as we're talking about post-lockdown Coronation Street earlier, are we going to see Jack P. Shepard in one of these massive visors, all gloved up and everything, with a with a bib and stuff on? And that'd, go, that'd make him look even more terrifying, considering he's... Like- um, Sweeney Todd would, would look if he was um, a, a bit germophobic. Yeah, considering that David is already a bit of a bad lad, having him dressed up like that, I can see him that being his rampage outfit. I can also see him saying, I really enjoy this. I think I'm going to become a dentist. Yeah. Anyway, what's the news this week? Oh, we had the Coronation Street Weddings programme on Monday, didn't we? Which was quite nice. I think, um, what was it last week? It was the story that gripped the nation, wasn't it? And this week yeah. we saw the wedding clips. Um, yeah. I, I don't even remember... It was only five days ago, but I've already forgotten who we... Oh, we saw the Beth and Kirk 80s wedding, which I could have they done. They spent a lot of time on that. They spent a long time on that. I never mentioned it was a fake wedding. Uh, this is the thing, I will say... Well, it wasn't when it was shown, I was enjoyed, it? I enjoyed the programme. I thought it was really good. It was a great half an hour. It went really quickly. That's the sign you're enjoying it. But it was very surface-level, shallow. Oh, these things they always did. are. I know, but I would love to watch something really involved and analytical. And we don't... We never get it, do we? No. Because really, who would it be for? Me and about, you know, people listening to this podcast, you know, all half a million of you. People that don't mind wittering on for hours about the most <laughs> the thing is, of things. They never sort of, even at the most basic level, they never went, there have been so-and-so number of weddings, how many divorces, this was the first wedding, this was the last wedding. A lot of them were, do you remember this, do you remember that? Yeah, and it, that's fine. Yeah. Who else did they show? Did they, oh, they showed a bit of um, Gail and Brian, didn't they? Yeah, Gail, yeah. Um, I don't remember, but it was it was good. They, it they was seemed good. There, there were lots and lots of clips, um, same as before, like little clips, and then they focused on some of them. And I, I am going to go back on what I said last week when I was saying um, Coronation Street or these programs need to have more talking heads. But actually, I think that I didn't mind that they didn't because it there meant that they content. got more 
more clips. And I have heard the actors many times talking about their memories of filming certain yeah. scenes. I just think I just think the trouble about it is, and the problem I had was, we'd already seen a lot of these things before. These clips are always the same clips and things. Yeah. I would really have liked them to have said, oh, when... But I don't know if anyone's left that could say, say stuff like this. Like, when we had the first wedding, these people, you know, Coronation Street fans came out and they did this and that. And here's a scene of, yeah, of the, like, here's a scene kind of of the, of the wedding. And actually, the people in the background are actually fat. Like, I'm pretty sure that when we watched it, they were just people that turned up yeah. who watched Coronation Street to the church. Um, that was at Jerry and Myra's wedding, yeah. wasn't it? I'd like more stuff like that. But yeah. I, like I said, it would probably be of interest to about 20% of the audience. Yeah, it's, it, it and really is. it would be is. an extra... 50% effort, so yeah. no point. It, it really is just a look at these. Do you, do you remember this look kind of programme? Next look week, we've got a here's some villains. Do you remember this? But it should be fun. We do like a good villain on this podcast, don't we? We're going to have surely a big section on Pat Phelan, surely a yes. big section on Richard now, Hillman. That will be interesting to me because we have not seen a clip show that talks about Pat Phelan before. We haven't, have we? So, now which, which means it makes me think they really should because. They can't focus on all of the big ones, no. so they've got to pick very carefully. Yeah. But surely, you're right, they've got to have a section on Pat. Yeah. Just because it's going to be new. recent and, and they haven't done it before here. Yeah. Um, we, we're not also not going to give any hints away or anything, but um, we, we, do, we, we have a ever, ever, ever so slight involvement. No, you're not allowed to say this. What, we are? Are we? Let's just say... <laughs> it's not even that interesting. It's not that interesting. Let's just say that we knew about this programme... Yeah. ...before this series of specials was announced. <laughs> and maybe next week on the podcast we'll be able to tell you why. We're not in it or anything. But, um, yeah, we've, we've got a bit of... A little bit of background you behind the scenes. You guys are going to be this time next week. so underwhelmed you are you totally are you've got if you care if you're still listening you've probably your head's buzzing with ideas here but it's I mean, really you're not right like, imagine the most mundane thing it could be and it's not as interesting as that yeah right so the next thing we've got to talk about <laughs> is um the interview plugs we've got some yes on distinct nostalgia they've yeah. had um they've had a couple more interviews recently they I, think, are storming I can't remember through them. they totally are they're doing a very very good job at all <laughs> I'm able to, in the same way that our podcast listeners live vicariously through us when we have our trip to Manchester, yeah. I'm living vicariously through the guys at Distinct Nostalgia when they're getting to interview all these all these ex-Coronation Street They've cast got some members really that I would great love to talk to. So people. last Saturday, I spent all day in school sorting out my new classroom, and part of my time there was listening to Sherry Hewson, um, who played Maureen Holsworth, talking about her time on Coronation Street, which I absolutely love. She's a real funny lady, and she's got she has some she has some good stories. Again, I don't want to don't want to spoil it. You you got to listen to it for yourself. But if you like Maureen or Coronation Street in the nineties, give give that a lesson. But listen, sorry, my my big. Um, moment of revelation whilst watching oh sorry whilst listening to that though was the fact that Elizabeth Bradley who played more Grimes wasn't actually in a wheelchair in real life and I think I think I didn't realize that I just assumed that that the actress was in a wheelchair but obviously you can you, you can, can fake it yeah yeah but I think isn't I th- that can I just point out isn't that a massive criticism of actors who are disabled now saying that these roles will often go to able-bodied actors who could actually yeah. do any role. It does. It makes me wonder if the role of Maud Grimes was cast today, would they feel compelled to 
give it to somebody who is actually in a wheelchair. Yeah, compel- compelled by morality. Yeah. Yeah, you know. I wonder. Anyway, I, I'd love more grime. So I know you did, yeah. Um, and and more, so that was, that was a really cool interview. Yeah. Um, and also, just a couple of days ago, they uploaded an interview with Madge Hindle, who played um, Rini Bradshaw, <laughs> who, as you may know, especially if you've listened to, well, either our recap of the 70s last week or our video that we put on YouTube this week where we rate all the 70s characters, we're not, we're not going to be getting any, uh, fan, any um, you know, posts from Rini Bradshaw's fan club. Um, we're not even in charge of it. No, we 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 are not really Bradshaw fans. I did a really good impression of Rainy Bradshaw the other day, and I, I wish I could do I it again. What you said. Anyway, I just, did, I just managed to get. I think I got her voice really well. Dis- She's got this really shrill voice. Despite not liking that, I did enjoy the interview with Madge, and she's like, oh, I can't remember. I think she said she was eighty-two or something in the interview. She so could she's have been lying. I just found it really interesting. I mean, it was the fact that we just lit, been watching some of her episodes, but hearing her voice, I was thinking. Oh yeah, that is her, and it feels like, of course, it's her. It was just so funny in the course of you know a month going from seeing yeah, her in seventies really Corey to now this is what she's like now. And she had some great stories of, of you know just, about I... about Jean Alexander, about Doris Speed, about Pat Phoenix, who she said the first time she saw her she couldn't stop looking at her for about two and a half hours because she was just so beautiful. That's amazing. It was a really really lovely interview, um, and it, and it sounded a bit like you know when you go around your nan's house and they just going on and on and on about stuff but she was actually waffling about things that as a Coronation Street fan who has literally just watched the episodes she's been in I was really interested to hear so again if you haven't watched it do um, I forgot what I was going to say sorry oh I I know that in the past there have been different levels like Coronation Street fandom has been really intense and it's not as intense as it used to be like looking through the Coronation Street magazines, reading about what people used to be like and, you know, seeing legends. Imagine what it'd be like if you lived in Manchester and you could bump into Pat Phoenix walking down the road. How amazing would that be? But I st- I still, I'm still going to say that we are definitely living in a golden era of Coronation Street fandom because we can have these interviews. These are, This is really great. We've got the internet that's connecting everybody together. You've got Coronation Street blog. You've got the Coropedia. You've got us. You've got Talk of the Street. You've got the, the distinct nostalgia. You've got the box sets. You've got classic Cory on, on ITV Hub. You've got the, to the TV show, you've got the 60th coming up. We just had the 10,000th episode. Mm. We, we've got the, the new set expansion that's going to happen with the new visitor centre and everything. Yeah. Oh, we're lucky. What a time to I be alive. I think we're really home. lucky. Yeah. I always think that. Yeah. How lucky we are. Mm. Well, just before, and thank you to everybody that facilitates that, like the stink nostalgia with their interviews. Yeah. And I, I, I do, as I've said before in the podcast, I, I had a, a word with. Um, with distinct nostalgia, a few a few weeks ago, and um, I, and they said about who some of the future Coronation Street interviews they're going to have are. There's still one that I am so 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 looking forward to listening to, and it's not been announced yet. And I'm hoping that it's coming soon because I cannot wait, and I'm a bit jealous about that one really. But I I can't wait to listen to what that particular person. At has least got you to can say. sit back and enjoy it instead of like doing all the work. Yeah, that's true, actually. It yeah. Is. It is. It's for a proper interviewer and not just a teacher who makes up a few questions. I think you're pretty good at doing interviews. Um, serious bit of news next, Gemma. Oh, this is drama and scandal. Well, go on, because th- this is right. this is a follow-up to a news item that I don't think we mentioned on the podcast back when it broke did, in February we? because we don't do gossip. Uh, in general, our executive position is not to mention things like this because this is why... Um, 
February. So this is a statement from the Sun, as you will know. Would well, you want to set up the story first, to saying what this is? Okay. A... So back in back in February, the Sun, which as you all know is one of the most distinguished and highly regarded publications <coughs> in I'm not going to say Great Britain, the world. Um, uh... Especially go to Liverpool and ask them what they think of the Sun. They will tell you. Thumbs up all the way. <laughs> Sarcasm. I have to say that perhaps I'm, I'm going to get beaten up. Because we are yeah, going to go up north to, uh, I don't want to be beaten up if I, if I go to Liverpool. The sun is a bit of a, a dish rag. So anyway... And oh, Liverpool's there. Wouldn't use the sun to wipe me ass. Exactly. They don't even spell it. They spell it with an asterisk instead of the U because it's a swear word hmm. in Liverpool. Anyway, back in February, they put an article on the front page where they said that during during the, NTAs. The, the National Television Awards, Mikey North, who plays Gary Windass, was sitting next to Alison King, who plays Carla Connor. That wasn't the story. The story was that <laughs> they <laughs> they that they kissed each other during. And, and they were supported by somebody's mobile phone footage. There was a video that somebody on Twitter posted which looked they were in the audience and the... they filmed this and there was they were filming it going oh god look at that and it looked as though they were they were sort of facing each other and they were very close to one another and if you wanted to believe that this was happening you could very much look at it and say goodness me that looks like they're having a big pash so um the sun ran an article saying that they were having an affair basically and kissing each other um, and unfortunately, both of them are, well, Ga- uh, Mikey's married and um, Alison King has, has got a partner. Yeah. So I'd com- tell you what, before this um, apology was published this week, I'd completely forgotten about this story. And I remember at the time reading it yeah, going, no, that, that can't be true, but that's, that's a massive I remember scandal. looking at the video and going, what? Yeah. Like, that does look very suspicious, but equally... If you wanted it to was keep a, this it was quiet, blurry, wobbly. you wouldn't kiss each other because you know, like, this is a fishbowl. The NTAs and the soap awards and everything is pretty much, well, a lot of the time is filmed in a theatre where you, the, the celebrities will sit in the stalls and everyone else sits in the, in the um, what are they called? Circle? Galleries or whatever. Gallery. And, and you can look down and see everything they're doing and who's talking to who and who's got a drink and who's having a secret vape and whatever's going on. Mm. There's no way I mean, if you were having... We've done it at the Soap Awards, haven't we? We haven't vaped at the Soap Awards. We've seen people vaping and people <laughs> sneaking in late. Yes. Because they've gone off to have and a vape and then they've not come back in time. And, yeah. and secret boozers and everything. So you, you don't want to... You're not going to you be You wouldn't be able to get away yeah. with having an affair without everybody seeing it. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about it until just this came so out So anyway, the Sun has printed a retraction... On February the 2nd, they wrote, we published an article on our front page accusing Mr North of snogging, in inverted commas, his friend and colleague, Alison King, thereby cheating on his wife and betraying his friendship with Miss King's partner. A video of the incident was also included online. What happened, in fact, was Mr North was speaking in Miss King's ear and was holding a glass in his hand. The angle of photography and the clarity of the container made it appear that Mr North was holding Miss King's face rather than the glass and was kissing her. Mr North did not kiss or try to kiss Miss King. We are very sorry to Mr North and his wife for the serious embarrassment caused to them as a result of our publication and we are happy 
to set the record straight. And that wasn't in inverted commas, but it might as well have been. I loved how it was all serious and Mr. King and Mrs. Miss North and everything, and they got snog in there. And I was like, we are very, very sorry that you are snogging, as the children say, one another. Well, I'm glad they've done this. I mean, I, I don't know how big the uh, apology was printed or anything, but I'm glad that the Never record was set page. straight because it does seem like it has put Ali and Mikey really through the ringer. Um, and, Look, and Mikey put a video online. Yeah. I haven't. We haven't. He's seen... not on Twitter, but he. No, neither neither is Ali King, is she? But she, yeah, he's he's put a video on God, Twitter via imagine? somebody saying that, that my life's been hell. Basically, thinks this. Thank through goodness. His agent. Yeah, yeah, through his agent. Thank goodness that my wife is so. Um, loyal and supportive, and that she would, um, she would, ne- she ne- would never even believe this. That, that, and then she's helped well, to get through Well, here's a quote. It, he said, um, "The apology has been accepted, but here's his quote: This pushed me mentally to the brink at times. And if it wasn't for having such an understanding wife in Rach, who knew nothing had happened from the start, then it could have been much harder. Mm. I can't imagine what it must be like to to have this level of scrutiny on your public on your public, uh, your private life." And have your marriage in jeopardy because of this video. And I will say that I, I think I remember who it was that took this video. And I don't believe there was any malicious intent because I think it was a fan account of Yeah, I think it Alison was. King. I think it was. And I don't think they meant to do this. But this is a very important lesson for us all to remember that you might be a fan account. but And you might think that your affection is very intense and um, and pure. But... In a way, you've just created a persona of somebody and forgotten that they're a real person. Mm. And, and uh, you know, Ali and, and Mikey both have their own lives and this is kind of, for months now, probably played in their minds. And, and the video w- was a very intriguing video. And if I was Mikey North's wife, I don't know what I would have thought if I'd seen it. Mm. Equally, if I'd been there... And I'd filmed it. I'd have been going, "Oh my gosh, what's that?" And and you, you, you got to stop to think before you put them online. Well, and, and I, I don't I would, know whether you, they sold this or not. I imagine it was sold. I don't. I imagine that they just put it on their their social media did, account, did, and then the sun. Took, why did sun? Why was the sun the only one that had it then? I don't know whether they were. Well, I don't know what happened. I'm glad that it's. I'm glad that it's sorted things, out. But... Um, I mean, I've, I've I've met Mikey once, and he seems very very lovely. And I, I'm not a Gary fan particularly, but Mikey seemed like a very, very nice chap. Yes. And I'm glad that things have turned out all right for him and it's gutted for them that he's had to yes. go through this. It doesn't matter if he's nice or horrible. No, no, I know. I know, but I'm just saying, anyone's nice when you meet them. I mean, it wasn't like he... Why would he be horrible to you? I don't know. But I'm just saying... This room's only big enough for one Michael. We, we, try, we try so hard on the podcast to not do gossip, not do... Not talk about what people look like or criticise their personalities or whatever. And I mean, I know I just said that Madge Hindle had a shrill voice, so I feel really guilty. <laughs> but I, did she put that voice on? Or did I can't she sound, remember what she said. I feel really bad now. But we. One of the things she said in the interview was that she she was brought in. I hadn't told you this one. She was brought in to be a bit of an Ina Sharples kind of character. And she's just saying, I don't think that really worked. Because if you're working behind a shop, then you've got to be a bit more... Personable to the yeah. customers, so I think she was supposed to be a bit of a an antagonist. Okay, so but but listen, we we and and tell you what, I am a massive gossip. I love all this kind of stuff. I love intrigue and drama, but you got to rein it in sometimes because this is people's lives. And I, what I would hope 
that lessons have been learnt here, but I'm sure <laughs> they haven't because fans will still continue to post things online that they shouldn't do and the sun and other tabloids will continue to print them if it thinks that they're going to be able to sell some extra papers because of it and they'll just pub, they'll print the pub, the, the apology uh, it's later really hard you, i mean it is a it's um uh hazard of the job isn't it it really is i mean you read you read pat phoenix's autobiography and she talks about that kind of stuff and this has happened since day one in coronation street it's a sad fact mm. it doesn't excuse it yeah, you, you've got to have a very, very thick skin, I think. I think, don't feel bad if you get sucked into this kind of stuff and reading about it, because like I said, it is interesting, we love it, we're geared up to seek this stuff out. I don't know what's wrong with us, we've got some kind of weird compulsion, don't we, to, to read stuff about like this, but just don't click on it. Mm. It's no wonder that there are so many celebs or, or or you know curry actors and actors in other places that choose not to engage with social media i don't blame just either of them make... for not having a twitter account this is proves exactly why they shouldn't have it yeah i know you don't have a voice then but at the same time you don't have, you don't have to open your phone i mean we we don't even have that many followers and sometimes we open our phones and go what the hell is this <laughs> um Next bit of news, um, Bill But they Roach. still haven't found out about all our secrets, have they? So that's no. good. Who oh. <laughs> <laughs> you've been secretly snogging at the awards shows, Gemma? I'm not even... I can't legally say. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Roach has been saying that the older cast members are going to be returning to film and Coronation Street later this autumn. So it things that, seems that things are back on track. And who knows about whether we're going to be going into another, you know, another lockdown or anything. But if... Plans are carrying Touch on. Wood. Yeah, if the, the plans that have been made and if they go through with them, it feels like the likes of Ken, maybe Norris, who knows, Evelyn and, and all that lot will be around in time for Corrie's 60th anniversary show, which will be lovely. Well, I'm, I'm absolutely gutted that, I mean, if we, we've got literally Monday and Wednesday's episode is the last chance that we've got oh, to see any of these characters. Oh no. my gosh, I'm going to miss Evelyn so, so much. Oh, and, and I Arthur, miss the And I don't Russia. think we're going to see any of them. I um, but, will say, my mum sent me an article today that said that they could be doing vaccines by September. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But because it's like nearly August. Mm. Um, I I want, when, when the oldies do go back in, I want to just have a whole week where it's just them. Uh, how would you handle, recharge their batteries? Handle the marketing for that. It's the golden oldies. It's the autumn of Coronation Street and the autumn of their years. Yeah, it is. They could do it. They could do it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure they can handle the marketing. Yeah. For anyway, that. I'm, I'm, it's good to hear that um, things are progressing nicely, and it also seems like the the kids have started coming back as well because Matilda Freeman, I think, put something on her Instagram a couple of days ago saying, oh, I'm back for the first time. It's, it's quite interesting following their Instagrams, actually. You're getting it more there than you are Twitter. Some of the actors saying, oh, I'm back, I'm back. Like, uh, Dan Bracklebank has just been back in for the first time recently as well. That's because, in general, Instagram is a less hostile social media platform than it Twitter. It is, it seems to be. I mean, I've only particularly got into Instagram this year really and it's really it hard does seem like to pile a nicer on place. people on instagram and rally people around cancelling somebody or having a go at somebody and also you can delete comments if you don't like them yes you can't do that on twitter can you no. oh twitter's stupid have you seen the stupid feature that twitter does where you hide comments um i don't know so, so twitter's basically introduced this thing for selected accounts but i think they want to it's like a trial and then they're going to roll it out for everybody. Whereby if you write something and then you get a load of really crappy replies, you can hide them. Yeah. So do you know what they do? They collate them under a tab that you can click on. Click on 
tweets that have been hidden by the by the author of the tweet so you, if you want to read all the crap that somebody that somebody doesn't want you to read it's just all there in one uh, great big scrolling almost screen a good idea of vitriol and nonsense <laughs> Anyway, that's it for the main news this week. But as we have said earlier on the podcast, we've got Urban double extra. double cabin extra later. We've got extra extra. Read, Read all, all about, about it. it. <laughs> Listen all about it after the Hear feedback. All about it. Which is uh, the feedback section is coming right now. So stay tuned. Feedback time. Our penultimate item in tonight's podcast. Stay tuned to the cabin extra coming up next. But first, we've got a score of three point six on average on the Facebook group for last week's Coronation Street. So pretty much tying in with our three point fives that we gave. Abby gave it four doses of Nick's <laughs> magical hair and beard potion Lovely. out of five. Uh, Briante gave it three <laughs> cheers for Sally using her common sense. Uh, my winner this week was Les, who gave it three and a half. American spellings of favourite, which is obviously a little <laughs> reference. tribute. Reference to the podcast rather than yeah. Coronation Street for Chain, so I always so, enjoy those. So I wonder whether... Um, ah, I know exactly what's happened here. What? Bertie's beard oil business, that poor baby. Mm. Carla's stuffed up, hasn't she? She's done something horrible to the beard oil and all the men in Weatherfield have suddenly gone grey overnight. <laughs> and that's why she's had to get a job at the factory. Just trying to distance herself she's from like, it. She's like, nothing to do with me, Gov. Sorry, it's the baby. <laughs> now, we start off the, um, the, the feedback this week with a couple of comments about our 70s um, feature that we did last week. So thank you very much, everybody, who's given us lovely comments about those, including David from Coropedia, who says, another cracking podcast on the late 70s. Interesting that you describe the decade as a bridge, as I've always considered the 90s 80s to be that well can i just say that my opinion is purely formed on the fact i haven't seen the 80s the 90s or much of the early noughties you've seen a lot of the early noughties i know but i i'm interested that david said that so i'm really excited to see whether my opinion changes as we watch the 80s and perhaps i might reevaluate what i thought yeah well I'm, i think maybe we'll we'll see quite distinct the changes. The, the changes from decade to decade until maybe the millennium when it kind of merges a little bit. But you're at the eighties is is its own thing. But I, yeah, I just feel the eighties belongs a bit more to modern Corrie. Doesn't. But then does, late nineties is where modern Corrie really kicks off. Okay, we'll see. Um, we we will see. Um, he 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 says that many of the old guard left in nineteen eighty three eighty four around the time the competition heated up, and that's when I think you really start to see a shift towards the bigger storylines of the modern era. That's so really interesting. We will see because we we've just reached the end of nineteen eighty, haven't we, on our DVD? Yeah, watch. I think that Pat Phoenix leaves in eighty four because I think that's when she marries William Car Crash. What's his name? William Car Crash. That's how he dies, isn't it? William. Bill Gregory. That's it. Yeah, I think so. Um, his name's William. <laughs> William Car Crash. This <laughs> is his, his legal name. So they should have known, shouldn't they? Do you, um, Elsie Tanner, <laughs> take William Car Crash? Um, yeah, until, until Car Crash, do you part? He says, I'm not the greatest Elsie fan, but I liked her role as the comedy aunt to Gail and Susie. Her marriage to Alan hadn't been about a laugh, and it was nice to see Pat Phoenix get some lighter material to perform for a change. It's a throwback to her scenes with Dennis, if not quite as good. Mm. Your dismissal of Susie was a punch to the gut, though. Really, I can take or leave. I've seen a couple of people recently, uh, I can't remember why, I don't know whether it was in in relation to what we'd said or not, 
defending Susie against Dylan. I just just didn't see it. But we I, just must have seen the wrong episodes and not seen enough of her. Yeah, definitely. I want to also say, I don't know what we did to be so blessed or how we have been so lucky that everybody who has a different opinion to us is so gracious and lovely in the way that they... Oh, they're just scared of me or something. <laughs> Perhaps I just come across as such like a horrible me. bitch. But um, they are so, everyone's so polite and nice. When yeah. they disagree with us, you guys are lovely. Um, Annie went off to Joni's a lot in the 1970s, David says. I think the writers did that so they could have something go wrong in her absence. Doris Speed was a trooper right up until the end. She's been awesome. Like yeah. I said it on the episode last week. She has been solid all the way through. Glad you enjoyed the episodes I suggested. I'm yeah. afraid I won't be able to follow this up with more early 80s. Yes. And so um, with, with David, David had been the one that was suggesting our YouTube really good ones. supplements. Um, but he's he All says those he, he doesn't. Vitamins, he, get any more. he doesn't know the eighties quite so well. But if anyone else wants to, you know, throw us a few nineteen eighties episodes that you know aren't on the DVDs, but you can get on YouTube, do let us know. We have to watch some of some of Ina's last episodes. He said because yeah, we've we've now gone past Ina's. Yeah, she, she's gone. The, the the first episode, I think, that was on the DVD was after... She'd left. Uh, after she left, yeah. So, sadly, no more Ina for it us unless we get some more suggestions. Weird and eerie. What, not having no it, Ina? Yeah, but it's also sad how it just carries on. Mm. And I always think that, even in real life when someone dies and everything just carries on, it's just... Life moves on. Inevitable and tragic. What does 70s Street Fan have to say, Gemma? Well, they said I, they really enjoyed the 1975 to 79 discussion on the latest that. podcast. I kind of get what you say about fewer iconic episodes during the 70s. Although there were more in the late 70s with things like the Stan Hilda Second Honeymoon, the Jubilee, Only's Death, the Laura Crash, etc. But maybe that's because the show was very much rooted in more low-key stories in those days. Yeah, I think you're right. Here are the big dramatic moments we get later on. I do believe, though, that the 1976-83-84 era does have a consistency of excellence, unmatched in the show's long history. Fewer standout episodes, perhaps, because the overall standard was so high. I would think the majority of episodes from that period were on a par with those released on the DVDs, which is not always the case with some of the other eras. I was glad to hear you say you may go back at a later point and watch the remaining episodes on YouTube. Some of the remaining episodes we have. Listen, my ambition... This is my life's ambition now, and I don't think I've ever had a life ambition before. You wanted to learn the words to the Elements song that one time. That was one of, that was one of my... Um, New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions, and I... Yeah, and I bet you 50 quid. Yeah. I never did see that. No. Um, <laughs> but my life ambition is to watch every episode of Coronation Street that I can. Yeah. That's I, available. I can't believe how much of a convert you've been. I'm so proud of you, darling. Thank you. Um, oh, so where am I? I don't know where so, you so are. So watch back, um, yeah, previous, watch them previous. Um, he says, I think that most episodes from 1976 onwards are on there, on on YouTube. Uh, you do get a flavour of each year with the DVDs, but of course seeing all the other episodes does put everything in context. Hmm. My, uh, listen, my dream, if I, you know I said like last week, I think it was, if I won the lottery. No, that was on our bonus podcast for this week. Was it? What I talk about winning about? the lottery a lot. <laughs> No, I no. I think I said I would become an archivist of um, Coronation Street ephemera. Oh, oh, maybe. But one of the things I would do is try somehow to get them to release every episode in some kind of format somehow because I think it is, honestly boggles the mind. It's the same way that what they demolished the 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 set when they moved to Media City, they just demolished that whole thing and just tore it to the ground as though it had no 
cultural significance whatsoever. That boggled my mind. The same way it boggles my mind that you just can't get, not even digitally, there's no archives. If you want to watch old episodes of, like, the 60s, you have to go to the BFI and beg them on, on your knees and make up some story or have some reason as though... I just think it's. I just think it's kind of. It's a. It's part of our cultural history. Mm. The fact that they've now swung open the doors to the Disney Vault with Disney Plus means that the the excuse that or oh, I mean it taken off a lot of web space and everything is. I honestly don't know how much money it would. It might. It would be. I don't know. I don't know. But when I'm a millionaire, that is of no concern to me <laughs> because the cost would be no object. Continue. Right, seventies fan says. You do get a flavour of each year with the DVDs, but of course, seeing all the other episodes does put everything into context. I thought your analysis of most of the characters was spot on, although I was disappointed neither of you particularly enjoyed oh, Susie Birchall. She, we done it wrong, didn't we? Considering yeah. that she was only on the pro, uh, programme just over three years, she's still fondly remembered by many. She is, I know she is. Maybe a lot of her best moments went on the DVD episodes. I also liked Rini, although I think her character worked much better before she married Alf, hence her departure in 1980 i was a bit surprised that you didn't feel elsie or mike were very major characters during those years but again maybe they weren't as well represented on the episodes which you saw but these were the only ones i really disagreed on mike really did feel like a a bit part in in the 70s didn't he yeah i this is i'm kind of glad that we've done it this way because we can kind of when we want to go back and watch them all again but at least we know what's on the dvds yeah which we wouldn't, it would have been harder to put it into context if we'd seen them all and then mm. we would have mm. no reason to have watched the DVDs. Yeah, exactly. Um, once again, thank you for taking the time to do this feature. I really enjoy listening to your thoughts on these episodes and I'm looking forward to the 1980s ones. Oh. Thanks. Thanks, Derek. We will Thanks, get Derek. to those late summer. Um, John sent us a message this week, just a, uh, a message of love about the podcast. So I just had to read this Oh, up. I love these. He sent us a love letter. He said, thank you very much for the work you've been putting into Conversation Street. I'm devastated. I've only just discovered it. Heartfelt apologies <laughs> for missing out on the other seven years. I forgive you, my child. Yeah. Caught up <laughs> with the Corrie magazine video last night. A treat. Would be so appreciative if you could produce another when you have the time. It was relaxing and full of memories. We definitely ah, need to do that. This is right. Yes, John gave me the idea of doing Coronation Street ASMR videos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, tell me a little bit of that. I'm going to just watch you, you're Renee Bradshaw, and I'm a car, and I'm going to smash your face to pieces. Yeah, just, just stop at the light, so it'll be fine. <laughs> do you like that? Should I do more of those? Yeah. Is anybody going to give me extra Patreon money for a, <laughs> for a special tier of ASMR fans yeah. where I whisper sexy things about how other people... Valerie Barlow, watch out. <laughs> the electricity isn't very good in that house. Be careful of the plug. Dry your hair, it's wet. What's this got to do with us doing an extra magazine video? Well, he said it was relaxing. Oh, OK. That's what ASMR is. Yeah, yeah OK, fine. Um, I don't think that's what he meant. I'm not trying to cast aspersions on John. I don't know whether you've been having secret private conversations with John. Uh, I often get out my Corrie magazines and go, oh, page one is my favourite page. We will do more about the Corrie magazine, but first Gemma needs to continue her archiving of the Corrie magazines that we've got. Uh, 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 oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Does my job get in the way of your hobby, darling? Is I have a hobby. Well, you've got one week left of you, and then you're back on... Uh, no, I don't. I've got two weeks two left. Two weeks left. Oh, yeah, I've actually got no holiday. time left. I'm on holiday. You're on holiday, buster. I've got awful lot of schoolwork to do. I've we got, will get actual, back to those magazines. I'm employed full-time. 
We will get back to the magazines. Very we just busy. need to get a, a more of a handle of what's on all, the, all of the issues. At times, international editor. I know. Travelling to, to different countries, business class, because I'm so important and busy. You haven't done that for a long time. I did it once. John says that he started <laughs> to watch Corrie in the late 80s. So he, dip, he dipped in and out through the 90s, got back into it in the 2000s, adored Phil Collinson's reign, but was not a fan of Stuart Blackburn. He was. Now, now mainly thanks to me and Gemma, um, he's back in love with it, though. So that's I nice. D- I like I, the idea that, that a podcast has helped somebody get back into Coronation Street, despite the fact that we spend quite a lot of time moaning about Nobody it. Nobody complains about something more than fans do. I know. Watching the 70s on YouTube lately... It's been, by and large, a joy. Thanks for trying to get some interviews. Really enjoyed Distinct <laughs> Nostalgia's efforts. And thanks for such great entertainment. Thanks for trying, Michael. Thank you, John. That was a lovely message to read. It's nice to feel, uh, nice to hear that people are really, really enjoying I'm always really thrilled when it. people find the podcast for the first time and like it. Because, honestly, I think I'm so obnoxious. I don't know how anybody can listen to my voice. And I feel sorry for you. Because I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm now but a detriment to your carefully considered research. But, obviously, not such a barrier that John can't enjoy it. Yeah. So that's good. I think, yeah, we, we work well together. Yeah. Rebecca, she's sent us her messages about the past week. And she said, it was great to see Sally finally slowly making her way onto Team Yasmin. But like Michael, I can also... Agree with Tim is his dad after all, and if he has been controlled by an early age, it's going to be hard to shake that off. I think Jeff has just sold the dog. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And also agree with Gemma, there are elements of Jeff in Tim. Glad they remembered that Yasmin used to be a librarian. I'm wondering if Yasmin will take Jeff back, as that will make people wonder whether it makes the story carry on longer, which doesn't bother me, as I'm still enjoying it. Maybe it's time for Tim's mum to enter to give her evidence. Agreed. Also, still enjoying, if you can call it enjoying, the Ollie story... Though Nick is right, Leanne is being a bitch. And I hate how she's... I don't think that though Nick said exactly that. <laughs> that was more... I think you're remembering Gemma saying that last week. And probably me, to be fair. I can just imagine um, Nick of a night going to their separate bedrooms. Because you know Nick and Leanne have separate bedrooms. She's that kind of girl. And getting out his journal with his little padlock on and going, Dear Diary, today Leanne was again a bitch. I just want Nick to have one of his, you know, explosions... He hasn't, it's been so long since Nick's had a major meltdown and this, this, he's in the middle of a, you know, one of the worst crises that anybody could ever go through. Why hasn't he just told Leanne straight? I also want to point out that if you haven't listened to our bonus episodes or stuff about the 70s, you might not know this. But actually, um, Alf was the original Nick Exploder brain injury shouty man because what happened to him? I've forgotten. He had an accident. We're but not talking about that. Wasn't that when the lorry crashed through the rovers? You thinking? Yes, that's right. And he basically turned into a man who every now and then would just shout really angrily about things. And I just love the fact I did not realise till I watched the seventies that Nick is not the first man on Coronation Street to use a brain injury as an excuse just to be an arsehole to people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, she says. Um, Leanne's being a bitch and I hate how she's treating Toya, although she's doing it to stop her pain. I just wish it wasn't Toya she was lashing out at. The social distancing scenes didn't bother me, although I wish Leanne had given Simon a hug. I'm hoping Leanne can channel her grief into something positive. Evelyn and Arthur was my highlight of the week and I enjoyed Roy being involved. So glad Evelyn has kind of in her own way admitted she cares for Arthur. and Maybe this is a good way to press pause until her and Arthur are allowed to come back. Back to filming, maybe. Have Ty and Fizz mentioned that Evelyn and Arthur are on dates. 
I still maintain that Michael isn't the dad to, to Grace. To Tiana. Tiana. <laughs> but I also like the idea that Grace isn't the mum either. <laughs> what is this foundling babe that I discovered on the doorstep <laughs> one day? <laughs> Who is this just a parentless child that sort of winked into existence? Because that would be pretty cool. Yeah. I also like... I also still like Michael working in the factory doing sales to the public. How can you like that, Rebecca? We never see it. You I know. Just like I, the idea I would really it. like to see it. And I tell you another thing: um, if we're going to actually have lockdown scenes, I think Michael working from home trying to sell knickers on his laptop while Aggie tries to Hoover would be <laughs> absolutely hilarious and very relatable. Uh, Rebecca says, good to see the siblings back. But I think Abby will let them go to Australia in the end. I do like the idea of Toya and Imran fostering them. Finally, still have no idea why Johnny is still in France, but I don't like Jenny and Johnny arguing. Character of the Week is Sally, and I give it four little picnics to feed the 5,000 out of five. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Um, Chris has emailed us in this week, said, I've just listened to your most recent podcast, and I've got a theory about why Aggie is so opposed to Grace coming back into Michael's life. I really hope, what? I really hope that all of this it comes to fruition at some point and we're not all just reading things that aren't so there. quarantine cra- crazy that we're just reading stuff no, that's something that's something chris says be. initially i did wonder if michael wasn't the baby's father and aggie knows that but she seems genuinely very fond of tiana and keen for michael to have a proper structured access so i don't think that's the case what if aggie knows that grace had a thing with the mysterious dd behind <gasps> michael's back didn't you suggest this last week on the podcast? I can't remember. It's a soap, so a salacious and far-fetched story like this wouldn't be out of the question. It would. I remember, I put a tweet on. Oh yeah, you did, didn't I you? I said it, I put a tweet and said, I would love it if Dee Dee gets introduced and she's not only hot but she's gay and she marries Sophie, and then Coronation Street has the first gay black wedding. Yes, that's right. All in right. one. Um, it would certainly explain why Aggie would consider Grace a wrong one and not one to be trusted, and she wouldn't want to tell Michael the truth for fear of breaking her family apart. That could be why we still haven't encountered the mythical Dee Dee, who might be too ashamed to come back, or heartbroken because Grace binned her off, or possibly Aggie is telling her to stay away to avoid having it all stirred up again. It's probably nonsense, but I've got no better ideas. I love this theory, Chris. This is the most soapy thing I can think of. Mm. Uh, I... The, only, the, only... the only way it could be soapier is if somehow Tiana was... Grace and Dee Dee's baby. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> um, I the only thing I think I think it. I don't know how likely it is to have. I know that some families have multiple gay children of one gender. So you, I know of a family where there's like two brothers who are gay and then a straight brother. But is how often do you have? straight uh, i mean gay two gay children of opposite genders i don't know i haven't encountered that in my experience i think it might be it's not unusual obviously to have gay children but it is i think unusual to have two gay children in a family where the father is so homophobic and doesn't realize that everyone else (laughs) does know yeah i don't know i think it would be lovely i really am excited about dd and i think Everybody now has hyped Dee Dee up in their minds so much that we can only accept Halle Berry as playing her. I think only you have. <laughs> but I, what? I think you're going to be disappointed by Dee Dee. What? Chris loves Dee Dee. I know, I'm okay. All the people that like my tweet think Dee Dee's great. Um, they, they need to just show her because it's one of these things that, yeah, the longer they leave it, the 
There is More a massive gap for a character. sexy, hot, young black woman to come onto the street and shake things up mm. and marry dull Sophie. Mm. That's the only. That's the only uh, drawback. Yeah. And Grace, mm, Grace and Dee Dee, that would be intriguing. Is there any? Is there any way? Because we said that Aggie is does does seem to love Tiana. Is there any way that? <laughs> That what Tiana is actually Dee Dee's baby. And oh Grace is looking after her. No, this only makes sense if be. you've heard all the theories beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. So so Tiana Maybe is Dee Dee's baby. Michael's not related apart from she's he's, yeah, he's her, her uncle. uncle. And Grace is just looking after this baby for her girlfriend. Well, who she's... got pregnant, presumably Although she's gay or bisexual by a guy who we don't know the identity of, but is also, I presume, black. It's probably Steve McDonald. The famous black man, Steve <laughs> McDonald. He doesn't have to be black. He doesn't have to be black. But to, but Grace and, Grace and Michael are black, and I presume yeah. Tiana is not mixed. I don't know. I don't you can't know. tell, obviously. I don't know. I feel I'm getting into really shaky territory here. But... Um, a, a, a secret Lothario, who is the father. Mm. Interesting. And it would be nice if, at the end of this, Michael still can claim some kind of stake towards Tiana. And i tell you another thing. Michael, I think, would be a really great uncle, but a not-so-great dad. Yeah, he'd be a scene Because I know everybody likes to, to rag on Grace and say she's a horrible, nag and nasty woman. But if I was a mother and... Michael was the dad. I think I would have scarped as well because he's very flaky. Mm. And I'm surprised also that in his job working on the switch at Underworld trying to sell knickers, he hasn't invented a new pair of pants that has three holes. Three Although they holes. already have those, don't they? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? He likes making weird inventions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next email, Gemma. Maybe tell him about Japanese toilets that make a a toilet flushing sound so you can hide your farts. Next email. Joseph. Lower the tone. I'm, I'm ready. As bad as Kirk's balls. I'm willing to lower the tone whenever you like. Joseph says, the Yasmin and Jeff's storyline is slowly getting some soap drama tropes unless it does get mentioned and resolves in the end. The one in particular I have a concern about is Jeff using Alia's phone to call Yasmin in prison. First of all, don't all phone conversations to the prison get recorded so when jeff was talking to the detective after talking to yasmin i was waiting for the detective to ask him why he made a phone call to yasmin that recording could be used as evidence in how manipulative jeff is towards yasmin at this point everything that jeff is now doing is damage control and for sure it'll all backfire in the end it is damage control and he we've seen that he's panicked he wasn't particularly panicky this week but last week he was more you said that um earlier on in the street talk bit that you didn't think that he really said anything that could have that was out and out imp- sort of implicating himself if this yeah. recording, if it does, does exist, ever comes to light. But I'm willing it, to part, it could be that. used as part of evidence to show that he's controlling. But yeah, I, I, I wasn't, no, I wasn't say, waiting for Abney to say what about this recording. I, I think it's, it's... It was a fair point. The, the, I don't think that there's somebody at the prison listening in on all the, com- the conversations. It's just the recordings are there in case... Somebody needs to look into them. This is why coercive control fascinates me as something that you can take people to court for because a lot of it is so subtle and insidious that I don't know 
how easy it would be to convince a jury if you had a really compelling defence um, solicitor or whatever, defence team, it'd be really hard to convince people like Jeff's phone call was manipulative. Mm. It's re- I'm, I would love to know more. I'm, I think I need to educate myself a bit more on this coercive control and, and how it works and what kind of evidence is needed because the whole point is that it's gaslighting and, I, and it... And it can be obvious to other people, but it also is very subtle too. Mm. I don't. I'd like to listen to the phone call again to to work out whether I think he could. That could be. Used, At the end of the day, he shouldn't have been speaking to Yasmin. He shouldn't have well, been in contact. Well, they both got with told her. they weren't allowed. They were to. exactly. He was told he's not allowed to. Joseph Wright in that. Her. I mean, it doesn't even matter what the content is, does it? Then no. Um, she, Joseph says, for me as a viewer, I was able to distinguish between scenes that were filmed pre and post COVID. When the scene with Nick and Leanne changed into the scene with Nick in the factory, not only were people not social distancing in the factory, but its overall look was different as well. Nothing to complain about since there is nothing to be done. Just some interesting observation. Who else, Who could ever forget when Roy and Mary went to Blackpool and I noticed the TARDIS and Daleks in the window <laughs> reflection? I think that that was a little... Um... That was harder to spot than some of the social distancing this week. Eagle Eye Joseph, yeah. Mm. Um, I, I've, as I said, again, I noticed yeah. it this week, but it's not bothered me. We reserve the right to know she's everything. Mm. Yeah. Nancy has emailed us to say that she liked the ratings that uh, we gave for our eighties uh, and sorry, our seventies and sixties characters recently. She said that Len would be a four or a five, though Ray should be a four. Dennis is a five. I agree with you though about Bet Lynn. She had a great story arc, like Carla Connors. Annie Walker's great too. I thought that Jerry Booth was great. Alf didn't really fit in much in the 60s. Yeah, Alf, really in Alf wasn't really in the 60s, wasn't, was he? Uh, Betty's great. I didn't think that Alan Howard was that good for Elsie either. I thought that Bank Frank Barlow was great. Ken and his father had an interesting relationship. Um, and she, she usually liked Albert Tatlock. Not too keen on Maggie Clegg, though, but she did like Rene. I'm hoping that Nancy's listened into the Madge Hindle interview this week. Um, she With enjoyed nostalgia. 19... Yeah, the distinct nostalgia one. Not ours, because we haven't caught one. I have to say that I enjoyed 1970s Corrie too, said Nancy. I always liked the Hilda and Stan episodes. I loved their second honeymoon and Eddie Yates. He was good for Hilda and Stan. Len and Ray were great together. Emily could be really funny. I loved Gail and Audrey's relationship because Gail acted more like the mother. I thought that when Gail and Brian got married, it'd last forever. Oh, that's a good perspective to hear about. Um, And uh, she she liked Mavis and Rita too. She also talks a little bit about... um, Roy in the uh, the classic Coronation Street episodes in 1995 where he's um so different and he he really really is he's he he's at the moment in 1995 investigating or he has been investigating the paranormal appearance of Ivy in the Rover's Return and although he's talking about being a skeptic it just it feels like the current Roy wouldn't even you know he wouldn't even pay any I think Roy, at all. current Roy would be very dismissive but I did like. Roy's dab- dabbling with the the supernatural mm. when when he did and I I enjoyed Mary and Brian and the UFO watching and all that nonsense and yeah 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 I love it I, I I've been interested seeing because was when Roy was first brought into it it was a while ago it felt like he was just the annoying neighbour of Deirdre and and it felt like somebody who wouldn't necessarily go on to be yeah. a regular character let alone become a you know, beloved. beloved mainstay of Coronation Street and I'm I'm very very interested to see how long it takes for him to become you know the Roy that he is now and maybe it's going to be a few years and, until Haley comes on the scene 
he's he's really is quite different back in 95, 96. Anyway, thank you, Nancy, for all your messages and support, as always. And we have got oh, yeah. one more message this week from Fangirl Overlord123, which I'm going to pass over to Gemma to read out. Oh, I love this message. She says, Jenny's angry phone call to Johnny ending with an irate, don't forget to give Susie a kiss from me. Reminded me why I love the character. The longer this got mystery goes on, the longer it intrigues me. See, that, that, that's different for me. The longer it's going on, the, the more I'm thinking, just get on with it. I'm not interested anymore. It reminds me of the Shona mystery, but the difference there was that we pretty much guessed quite quickly mm. what what the thing about Shona was, and it was frustrating because we could see where it was going and it wouldn't just go there. Yeah, this with this Scott one, thing, I haven't I seen it. Know. I haven't seen any theories where I've got, oh yeah, of course it's that. No, it could be anything and nothing, couldn't it? Ah, mm. oh, it can't be anything that interesting. That's the trouble. Anyway, um, she says he seems to have beef with beef with Johnny, but is weirdly protective of Carla. The theory is he is Carla's dad. Seems more and more likely, but already they had that story with Johnny, so I hope they don't wreck on that. Daniel seems to be still seeing Nikki regularly, so I wonder if it will give him money troubles. Do you remember Dev's got money troubles at the moment? What's going what on with that? What do you mean, money troubles? Um, as, f- as for Carla returning to the factory, I really have no opinion on it. I hope it just hope it serves a purpose, because honestly, what purpose has Michael, Alina and Toya working there served? Yeah, that's what you're saying. Harsh but fair. Character of the week is Abby, and it all balances out to a three and a half cow bags out of five. Lovely, thank you very I much. I wanted to say something else about um, Scott that nobody... I don't know if anyone else has thought of this, but it's very possible that Scott thinks he's Carla's dad but he can't be it's very possible he thinks he's her father yeah, I think I might have seen other people saying that oh I'm sorry I th- actually think that's my idea <laughs> <laughs> well I just thought of it um there's no reason why he he could be wrong uh, why yeah why he mm. can just be wrong yeah yeah we'll see we'll but see but then that's still a bit underwhelming isn't it because they just go you're not actually her dad and he go Oh, my bad. Don't need to stay for any, any longer. Well, in that case, I want to all this money, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is it for our feedback section. Apart from to say thank you very much to our latest Patreon um, subscriber, which is Chris Benelli. Thank you, Chris. Who signed up in the past week. Cheers very much, mailed mucker. Um, don't forget, we've got a cabin extra coming. We do have cabin extra coming up very soon, but before that, we're going to tell you how we can, uh, or you can contact us should you wish to in time for next week's episode. You can do that by emailing us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and message us there. You can tweet us, you can Spotify us, you can't contact us through there, can you? I don't know. Nobody has no, yet. I don't think unless so. they have, and I've not picked them up because I don't know how to. Facebook is another good way. YouTube, you can go there and write us comments on our, on some of our videos. You can you know, join us to Patreon and get a direct line to us, and um, and that's about it really. But like you I said last week, it. do um do do send us emails. That's the best way to get your your message featured. You could also feed write a note on a piece of go. paper and fold it out really small and feed it to a haddock that then is killed and filleted. And deep fried and battered and presented to me on a plate that I would then eat and find the paper inside and I'll give it to Michael because he can transcribe it. I'm not going to find it though because I don't like fish. You can put it in a pie if you want Michael to find it. Okay. Like Game of Thrones. Not a fish pie though. Michael does not eat fish apart from tuna, but only under duress. Yeah. 
that's it for our feedback section. I think it's about time we swiftly yeah, moved on to our cabin extra. Because I don't know whether this is going to be a really long Spoilers. discussion, but there are Spoilers. two things here, like we said. So if you do not want to be spoiled by the massive rumour that was in the papers earlier this week and the story that came on ITV.com today... What is it? Stop listening now. Right, let's do Go this away. rumor first. This rumor was in the start on I think I'm, I'm going to say Monday, and it's it about. It was on the front page. It was about Todd Grimshaw Nothing coming back to Coronation Street, but of course with a new face because we couldn't have uh, Bruno Langley no. because of the reasons why he left Coronation Street. And um, uh, when I've said I've said that, that uh. on social media we'll talk about this on the podcast, and I've also said people will know what I'm going to think about this. And yes, I think this is. I, I, I don't like the idea. I, I'm sorry. And I'm perfectly open to the idea of, you know, eventually liking it. Maybe this, if this is true, um, the new actor playing Todd will, you I know, turn me true. into a convert. The, these kind of things often are. I mean, the, the, they're saying, oh, um, castings are already, you know, taking place, or, you know, auditions are taking place. It Just the wording of the articles makes it sound like they're not just, you know, it's not one of these Kevin Kennedy who may be returning. It seems like it's backed up by some evidence here, so I'm inclined to believe this one. Don't you think this is weird? Because we were so very recently talking about Todd and how he should be recast. Or not. It's when we, talk, we were talking about the, the changing faces of Coronation Street, weren't we, and all the different recasts there have been. I know, but year, I feel the as years. though there's been some some subliminal messaging somewhere that I've been subjected to without my knowledge and you haven't been because I was of the mind with you that I, I really I really liked um Bruno Langley's performance as as um Todd. He he was really good at that role. Um and he made Todd an interest one of the most interesting honestly, one of the most interesting characters of that era on the show. Um, and a really I was interesting male character as well. When not very common. No, not on um, Corey. So, and I, and I was like you, saying, no, nobody else can do it, only Bruno. The character should die or be retired forever because he nobody else can follow up in his footsteps. But then, some something changed in me over the year, and now I'm like, yeah. And it was only recently I was saying, yeah, recast him, recast him. I want, I want to have him back. Where did I get this idea from? Am I like, am I, am I Ian McLeod? No. Are you sure? I don't think so. It could be. What's Scott's secret? He is Johnny's dad. What? I've said this before. Um, I just, I just don't think I could accept... Listen, I'm going to say and... this, right? Whoever has to follow in Todd in Bruno Langley's footsteps to play Dodd, Todd, I don't envy them at all. For a start, this is a role that is going to end up being a prolonged one, hopefully, because he's a legacy character. Eileen is, Eileen is one of the stalwarts of the street. Whoever comes in could have a job for years and years and years. Yeah, I mean, he's been on and off the show, but it's been 20 years that we have known of Todd and Bruno's portrayal of Todd. So it's it's massive it's basically messages to your, fill. It's basically, if you get this role, it's yours to screw up and ruin and not be invited back for years, you know, mm. and then we have to recast you again. So there's a lot of pressure on that. But also, I think there were, there was, some, there was something magical in that 
in that bit where they managed to make Todd so fascinating and so evil and devious yet likeable and charismatic, it's going to take a really special person to be able to either fit into that role and make that theirs and be convincing or I to, just don't to, want them with to... the producers and the writers to subtly change it into something different that is still going to be as compelling. And I think both of those things are quite unlikely to happen. I just don't want them to cast the, the hunkiest hunk that comes along to the auditions. It can't just be... Because that's not what Todd's about. a bit like Bruno Langley. No, I, I almost don't really care whether he looks like him because... No, it, the, it doesn't matter at all. It, it can it, be blonde, it can be short, it can yeah. be fat, it can be whatever. So, so I mean, so some of my favourite recasts recently... Um, being Ryan and Anadu haven't really looked that much like the original actors at all. No. But it's the we we've had some really great actors that it, they've even taken the characters in a different direction. They're not really the same characters. No. But I suppose the the difference is that Bruno is a very very established character, and we know. Oh, sorry, Todd is. Todd's a really established character, and we know an awful lot about Todd, but we didn't know a whole lot about Ryan Connor, or we didn't care much about Ryan Connor or, or RJ. Yeah, but the difference is there that they were recast because something wasn't working. Mm. Bruno Langley was fired because he was, he you know, he was... He had to register on the sex offenders he's list. He's a sex offender, and he, had, you know, he went to court. Yeah. So he is... The, the the character wasn't retired because it didn't work and Bruno wasn't a good actor. Mm. It was th- taken away because of his misconduct. Yeah. It's it's not often that Corey has had to recast, I'm trying to, a, a real, real legacy character. I mean, I, I suppose Nick is the closest. Yeah. You know, often, often they'll get recast when they're in the they teenagers. They don't usually recast a, yeah, an established actor. No. For a legacy character, no, I, I don't I'm, think it's been done. Very if much this at is all. true, and like, and like I said, it's 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 almost as good as true, to be honest. And just waiting for the announcement, really. Well, they're not I'm gonna, perfectly willing to accept it, yet. but the, whoever it is has got to. They've got to be brilliant, and and yeah, it's I so don't. Hard. I do not envy no, whoever it is that gets this part. They've, they've got, got to weather the storm of to. all of the expectations and the baggage that comes with that character, all of the criticism and moaning that is going to inevitably come with it. They've got to respect the show. They've got to be willing to give their career to the show, but also happy to say, yeah, it didn't work out. Recast the character later. I'll just duck out now, like. It's the ball isn't in their court. You don't want to be the person who brought Todd back and then wrecked it. Wrecked it. No. This is such a difficult one. It's yeah. It's a really really difficult one. There are so many talented actors out there though. I know. I know that there are. There are. It's not impossible. No, I'm. I have hope. I'm excited. I. I'm going to be a hundred percent behind whoever. If they cast somebody, whoever it is, I'm going to give them my full support. I I still wish that they hadn't though. I I my my well, preference would be to have him killed off off screen. Um, oh, my preference would have been that none of this had happened in the first place. Well, yes, and that you know, everybody leaves each other something. alone. Yeah. At parties. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll watch this space here, won't well, we? Well, the last time that Todd was mentioned in the show was on Mother's Day. Yeah, Eileen said about. Which was weird. Maybe that's card. what triggered me to start thinking about it. But honestly, if you listen to the podcast, it would seem to you that perhaps we had not stopped going on about Todd. 
big years since he left the show. Because mm. really, it was it's one of the biggest bits of unfinished business. Yeah, on that webinar that, um, that ITV did a month, month or so ago with Dan Brockman, he mentioned that there's going to be a, a face from his past, from, from Billy's past, that shows up as well. And I think at the time, I thought, oh, maybe it's his brother. I was comes like, oh, it's obviously his brother. Or, or one of his pals that mowed down Susan Barlow. But it feels now that if these rumours are true, that he could have been talking about Todd then. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what Todd actually does. Are they going to try and put him back with Billy? Because still, I still don't really buy Paul and Billy. And they're not showing, they're not doing a whole lot to try and, you know, win me over to their the side. The kindest thing for them to do with a new actor playing Todd would be to to have a clean slate and introduce him almost as though he's a new character in a way. Not not to not to drop him back in the middle of the stories that Todd would naturally have been involved in. Say if Bruno Langley came back to the show, he could pick up straight away and go, Oh yeah, I, lo- I love I love Billy, I'm mad at Paul Oh, I still got to atone for all the my sins with Pat Phelan. I've got all this baggage with Sarah, etc. If they just kind of bring him back and he's just happens to be Eileen's son who's called Todd, that would be the kindest way to reintroduce the character and, and give a bit of a blank slate and let the actor inhabit the role and fill it out a bit more in a different direction than than Todd was go uh Todd was going in previously. Mm. But I just would I still miss Todd. He was such a fantastic character. He was a bit of a a bit of a David. Yeah. In that he was a a Machiavellian Yeah, dark, Machiavellian is right. Kind of only out for himself, like a very grey character. He was not good, not bad, he just was for Todd. And whatever Todd wanted, Todd got, no matter what who or who stood in the way. Mm. And that's why I really liked him. It was very But compelling. also, yeah, very very intelligent as well. Yeah. And a bit baby-faced. A, a lot more intelligent than most of the people on the street. Yeah. But not clever enough to defeat Pat Phelan. No. Well, yeah, let's let's watch this space on this one. So we, we will see whether these rumours pan out to be true, but something that we definitely know is happening, <gasps> another return is, and who saw this coming? Not me. If you're putting your hand up and say it's me, I do not believe you. Unless Natasha, you are. Unless you're, unless you're working on Coronation Street. Natasha Blakeman is coming back. Now, we've mentioned her again recently. Did we? When we were talking about Amazing Exits. She's a character who seems to be only remembered fondly because of her exit on Coronation Street. Of all Street. the exits on Coronation Street, and, and there have been some iconic characters who have just left in the back of a taxi. Mm. She had one of the most satisfying narratively satisfying exits of any character and it was disproportionate to her character's importance in the so show. So if you've been watching Coronation Street for less than 10 years or maybe you've watched it longer and you forget who this character was because honestly she was not a memorable character particularly. Natasha Blakeman played by uh, Rachel Leskovac was... I don't think she's unmemorable. I think... She, carry on. Uh, she she was brought in as a salon girl. She wasn't girl. a major character. She she was a, she was a side character yeah. for for a long time. Yeah. I remember just seeing her working alongside Maria. Was it I'm in the salon? Trying to think of somebody that she'd be equivalent to. And I'm, I'm not sure that there is anybody quite like that at the moment. No. That's literally in it and just just like. No, there, there, there isn't anyway. No, they don't really do anyway. characters like that anymore. They have main characters they just ignore for years. Yeah, it's not like it's not like you know Dirk in the factory because she did have the odd line here and there, but literally she had no stories. She was she was just there working in the salon, and I remember thinking at the time, what is the point of this character? They never give her anything to do, and she didn't really get much 
to do until 2010, which was the year that she left, when um, Nick got her pregnant and then he dumps her. I can't remember the order it all happened in, but she... I think she decides to get an abortion but doesn't tell him about it. And then he decides to undump her because he likes the idea of being a dad. Um, and then she's still... What happens? She doesn't tell him about the abortion. And it's down to Gail, who's working at the medical centre, I think, and finds out from her medical records that she's had one. And she then says, Nick, you're going out with this Natasha because you're thinking that you're going to be a dad to this child she's got inside it. Turns out she hasn't got a baby anymore. She's been playing you for a mug, mate. And then Natasha does this amazing exit. This where was she, the best bit. She tells everybody exactly what she thinks of them. She it lays down some home truths. And it was triumphant and cathartic in a way that we, you would give to one of the uh, an iconic character. Yeah. Like you can imagine Bette or Elsie or like a big name. She just goes around and Go tells everyone. Going, you're a slag. You're a git. No one likes you. You're ugly. You're fat or whatever. It was basically... And she it goes was, off. It was a soap equivalent of, of walking away from an exploding building behind It was, like, it was yeah. You. It was a mic drop exit. Yeah. And, and she got it. And it was one of the best exits. Yeah. For an incredibly minor character that just picks up in her final year. So her main tie to Coronation Street is that Gail and Nick probably have a grievance with her mm. and that she told everybody to go F themselves before she left. Yeah. So, so and she this, burned this... all her bridges. So presumably she's paddling her can, her canoe up S Creek mm. as as we speak, trying to get back to Coronation <laughs> Street. And and the, the story is going to be that Nick bumps into her and because he's already oh. feeling ousted by Leanna oh, this whole no. Ollie business... Could she be any no, point in a no, storm? No, 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 People no. are also wondering, oh, maybe she is pregnant with his baby. Maybe I, th- I think she definitely did have an abortion, but you can't maybe she got keep, pregnant again afterwards. You can't keep I... the eggs and, and, the, and the, the, the fertilised eggs. What? There is, a, there is an animal that can do that, but it's not a human. Anyway, my, my reaction, my initial reaction to this was utter shock and surprise yeah. first thing this morning. Blast from the past. And then, it, then I have to say it was a bit like a... Uh, okay, because I'm not. I'm not gonna. You, I've seen lots of people saying, "Oh, I love Natasha," but I'm thinking, did you really love Natasha, or did I you just her like exit. her exit? Listen, listen. I whenever you there say, there wasn't a whole lot to love. Up, you bitch. Listen, when I think of Natasha Blakeman, I think, oh yeah, I, I thought she was cool. I quite liked her, and she had a good exit. I don't remember her being as insignificant as you say she is. I thought she was a nice, decent. She. I thought she was a bit like a Maria, except not as dull and 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 annoying. I remember liking her. I remember having no opinion on her and not minding when the character left or when I heard I, that the character would be leaving. So and she I, dated current Nick, right? Yes. Yes. I'm perfectly um, happy to be ready to like her again i'm not saying oh she was boring why they're bringing her back it's like okay fine they're bringing her back i mean the thing i do we don't even know whether they're bringing her back for a short stint or whether they're no, know. you know putting her back permanently i would hope they wouldn't bring her back just to add to this alienation that he nick feels with leanne because there's no need to bring her in for yeah. that um it would make sense for her to be a longer standing character the idea that she could have not aborted her child and actually secretly still have Nick's baby, I mean, that would be a 10-year-old child at this point. Mm. What That would throw a spanner in the works, wouldn't it? Because Nick now has an actual child 
Leanne would accuse him of not caring about Ollie, he would be torn because um, Ollie isn't his biological child. He hasn't... I mean, he hasn't been around him his, his whole the whole time. I don't know how... I've forgotten how long no. they've, been, they've been going out. Obviously, not. he's got a really strong bond with Leanne, but Leanne is very good at alienating people when she's upset. Mm. And if a woman turns up and says, hey, Nick... Um, want to give it another go here's, here's a 10 year old child that's your son or daughter mm. I'm assuming son because I think Nick would prefer a son because um, he wants a little mini mini him yeah a little air um, wouldn't what a what an unbelievable dilemma that would be for Nick but again it would it would pull the focus away from Leanne and Ollie but perhaps actually that's a very clever thing to do in an in an age where in an era where we can't really have very many Ollie scenes Mm. because of obvious reasons but um again the question would be yes Natasha could turn up with a a child that she says she says is Nick's but it would be very plausible if it turns out that it isn't actually Nick's at all yeah. And she did have an abortion, and this is just another kit, another random. Yeah. I mean, we're saying that she, she may well not have one. She, oh, of course. She, she's also. I mean, I wonder whether she's going to straight away be like, "Oh, Nick, I want to get back with you," because of the way that she left. She, I mean, she can go. She's it might be go, a very awkward first meeting, and she's like, "It's going to go one of two ways." I think because of her history with Nick, she's either going to come back and go, "Nick, I, you're my only hope. I need you. Here's your son." Or Nick, I, I've fallen on hard times. You're the only one I can t- help. Whatever. Or she's going to go, oh, God, I found myself in Weatherfield despite my best intentions. Good God, Nick, stay away from me. You're a poison and you always have been. Mm. I don't know which is... I mean, I can't imagine Nick going anything other than, yeah, fine, stuff you. It could be funny to see, uh, like, Gail and Audrey's, everyone's reaction to seeing her back as well, considering the way that she left. I really want to find that scene where she leaves now, just to make a list of all the people that, that she's, she's annoyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm interested um, that they're bringing her back and not someone like Elsa as well, who could have been, who could have fulfilled a similar role, Nick's ex-wife. Oh, it's the one in... Not the one from Frozen. Nottingham. Yeah, <laughs> the one from Nottingham, from the Frozen North. <laughs> um, yeah, because the, if, if it was just... Any random person from Nick's past could be enough to pull him away from, you know, just that makes because he's on the edge already. And that does make me wonder whether there is something to do with babies and children, mm. because Elsa never had anything like that to do with Nick. Yeah, but may- maybe maybe Elsa, maybe she could come back and go, Nick, Nick, I made a terrible mistake. I want to have a baby with you. I don't know. I, I'm, Nick can have a baby whenever he wants. That's the man. That's the man's prerogative. That's his privilege. Yeah. Women have a ticking, ticking time bomb they call a uterus waiting to just turn on you at any moment. <laughs> and uh, I think that Natasha's uh, ticking bomb is about to get to... It's like one minute to midnight. Well, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about this story. If you'd have asked me, you know, a couple of days ago, write down a list of your top 50 characters that you want to come back. I can't say that Natasha would have even been on my top 50, but the fact that she is coming back is making me think, okay, let's let's see what she's got. Maybe this could be her stint where I really, really do like her. And I'm already pretty invested in this Ollie storyline. There's a great a bunch of actors and characters involved in it. The 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 drama, the situation about a dying kid is compelling to me. Um, so there's no reason. I'm, I'm not thinking she's, she's going to come and missing. spoil it. Well, there's, no. nothing, there's nothing she's going to add, I don't think, either. I think... Sometimes I think there's a... There's, um, 
temptation to spice everything up and sort of turn it to 11. But with stories like this that are so traumatic in real life, I don't think you need ex 10-year-old exes turning up. Well, they've, to, always, to they've, they've already anything. started showing Nick being sidelined, so it feels like it's a fairly natural progression to have him potentially tempted away or natural for a soap anyway, because that's but what if seems you could to happen. bring back any character from the last 10 years to, to, to really screw things up for current characters, can you think of anybody that you... What, in that storyline? No, in any story. I'd love to see... Um, what's Brian's ex? Julie. Julie or Nessa, I'd yeah. like to see come back. Yeah. Because I think they were fun. Mm. Coronation Street needs a bit of fun these days. I'd have to have a bit more thinking time for it. Oh, that. I did just put you on the spot there. There are lots of... But, I mean, these are two characters, uh, Todd and um, Natasha, that are coming back. Yeah. Um, Todd, we assume. We assume. What do you think, everybody? Are you... I know that um, we have Canadian and American listeners who are used to those soaps in those in those countries who are a bit more used to recasts. I think we, we have more recasts in Corrie than perhaps we realise sometimes. Um, what do you think about him re- being recast? Do you think that um, it depends on what you're kind of used to in a soap? Mm. And... Do you think that they'll be able to do it successfully? And I wonder how long it'll be until, if this is real, I keep having to say that until ITV actually do the reveal. I mean, well, are, we, are we thinking we could be told we could like this time next week we could know what the new Todd's going to look like, or is it going to be months away? You know what I'm I'm actually interested in because, so this um, you said that Daniel Brocklebank teased about this. Yeah, the one was that. That well, a month ago ish. It really makes me wonder, this is my tinfoil hat moment here, why have the papers run this now? Why have they put it on the front page? If they have been casting it for, like, a month back, they would have... that And that, and that was him being comfortable to talk about it and allowed to talk about it. They must have had this in the works way before he ever mentioned it. And they might have been seeing people... And even if they were mentioned it. it on Mother's Day, didn't they? Usually yeah. Said. Yeah, so that's back in March in the UK, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so that's months back, and they don't. Ha- we haven't been told who it is. They haven't announced anybody. So I'm going to assume that they haven't cast the role yet. Here's my tinfoil hat. Are they now desperately looking for somebody because they've they've tried people and they haven't found anybody? So they're casting the net a bit wider to see if they can put a story in the papers and see if there's anybody else who's going to say, oh. Yeah, maybe. Who I knows? don't know. I just why? Why now? Why? How? Who? How has this got out? I wonder whether this week's um, or today's announcement about Natasha Blakeman returning was supposed to you know, divert our attention from. So you're going the, the other Todd way. Rumors. I'm going. It was leaked by by them because the other. Honestly, to me, it's highly suspicious that it was on the front page of the Star. I don't know much about the Star, but I can't believe that with everything going on every single day in every single country in the world, that Todd Grimshaw possibly being recast is a front-page story. <laughs> if they think it's some juicy exclusive they've got, I, I can see the star running that. Yeah, but who gave them the juicy exclusive? That's my tinfoil hat. Mm. I mean, it could have just been, if they'd been casting a load of... If they'd been casting somebody, somebody who get, didn't get the job. Somebody could have said, yeah, I, I went and played a, I played a part. 
Mm. I know, but again, you you don't know whether you would have been told. I guess you would have had to have been told up front. Although they might have just have said, we're looking for somebody who's this, that and the other. And then they go to it and they're like, right, you seem like you're a good match. Now we're going to tell you what the role really is. Mm. And then they go, Jesus Christ, no thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that with a barge bar. I'll see you later. I'm going off to the star. Yeah. They pay a £1,000 for a front, front page feature. Oh, man. Like, I don't like know, I said, don't know you, how much they charge. It's, it's really big shoes to, to step into this role. <sighs> yeah, tell you what, though, if you get it right, I know. that's your job for the next 20 years. I know. Absolutely. Just keep, just keep your hands to yourself. Yeah. Right, I think that'll do. That, that's enough of our discussion on rumours and news. Rumours and secrets, what is true and what is not. And that's our jingle. Yep. That's it, that's it. Thank you, everybody. Too I'm, late I'm to tired think now. Of anything fun. I'm We're going to go and oh, look at just... a comet now. Oh, yeah, it's supposed to be a comet, apparently. You tried to watch it, look at it last night, didn't you? I got up. My mum told me to get up at four o'clock in the morning. But Gemma doesn't go to bed until four o'clock in the no, morning. No, I went, so I tried to her. stay up till four and I didn't. I made it till three. Then I went to bed and then I woke up with start at like ten to four. Like having a nightmare about missing a comet, went outside, stood in the garden <laughs> like some kind of cult member, staring at the sky. And I tell you what, the neighbours upstairs must be terrified of me because because of the um, Elon Musk, what are they called, um, satellites, mm. Starlinks. I this is not the first time I've gone into the garden in the middle of the night to stare at the sky like a lunatic. <laughs> Even the cat thought it was weird, and I didn't see anything. And then my friend told me, no, you can see it from eleven. So. It's midnight so it now. So could be out there now. Could be right there now. Right, well, let's stop this recording then. Well, shut up now. Yeah, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. I want to watch. I want to watch Celebrity Gogglebox before I go to bed. But I don't know whether I have got the energy to stay up for it. I'll stop you about a bit. Okay. I'll wait you up. Deal. Let's all do that. Let's go. Music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Mm-hmm.